Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to the Co-Optional Podcast. Hello, everyone. Hi. Hi, everyone. Hello. I've been eaten by a shark. I don't know if you've noticed. That is the goofiest shark I've ever seen in my life. It's wonderful. Oh, you you it's mocked the me eyes. and then I wait think... until afterwards and then proceeded to put on a shark eating your head hat. It's I don't like, know, man. Awesome. I think it's, it's less quite a shark and more what like a stoned jester would wear at birth. <laughs> <laughs> you also look fairly comfortable for someone that's being eaten by a shark. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's having trouble digesting <laughs> my giant head, so I mean, I can hard, hardly blame it. I went to the the Georgia Aquarium, and this is this is what I came out with. It was it was great. I'm very excited. It's, it's surprisingly anatomically correct. It's I thought it was a real mm. shark. The eyes yes. are on point. Can't blame. Very realistic. Scaring children with it, you know, that's just how it goes. We'll uh, take that off now, because that's quite silly. There we go. Well, to the Corruptional Podcast, we occasionally goof around with stupid clothing, like Strippin's incredible little ensemble over my, there. My Disney princess shirt. Ensemble? Oh, ensemble. Yeah. Oh, yeah. My favorite we're, part we're about that is, that is it's clearly just they took key art from those movies and just stuck it all together on one shirt. Yeah. Yep. It's not even similar. Like the not even the, similar. It's like the shirt that the rocket scientists wore that everyone was outraged about, except with Disney princesses. I wonder, yes. I wonder what effect that would have had if he'd worn that. Indeed. Strippin, let me tell you how <laughs> problematic that is, because, of course, those are representations, misogynistic representations of uh, women on your shirt right there. Do you have anything to say I, for yourself? I would I do every one of those princesses. That's what me, I say. Me too. And every also, one. not one of them is making a sandwich. I think you are wrong. <sighs> I mean, they are I don't, all I don't independent, know. rich, successful know. women. Indeed, that don't Ariel, need no man. Ariel making sandwiches. No, they all, they all need a man. TV. Well, they some of them man. did. Yeah, they all I need a man. The way that's almost yeah, like they're based on stories that are several hundred I'll, years I'll old. The, but... I'll be their man. <laughs> they all need a man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll make a man out of you, Stripping. Yeah. Even but Mulan needed a man. She needed a man so badly she became a man. Oh man. Welcome to the 100th episode of the Co-Optional Podcast. Very Shut exciting. Up. Is it? Yep, it is. Absolutely. Can this be 99.1? Yep. No. What, because you don't want to have to try today? I mean, I don't blame you. <laughs> the 100th should be special. Yeah. This episode will not be special. Yeah, it's, it's probably... news. No, it's actually going to be a really awful show, because outside of our amazing guest, we really don't have that much to talk about. But weirdly enough, of course, we used to be the Game Station podcast, which I think ran for 62 episodes, so this is technically episode 162. Uh, we're pretty much the same thing. Plus, we probably missed some somewhere, you know, it's probably not right or anything, but cool nonetheless. Let me introduce our special guest for the show today, the ever-lyrically talented Mr... Duggleby, which is maybe not the best channel name, also better known as Dan Bull. Welcome to the show. Dan Bull, yes. I wish my channel wasn't called Duggleby, but I named it that ages ago. We've all had those issues, don't worry. I'm stuck with Total Halibut and it's the worst. (laughs) Can't be taken seriously like this. What happened? Oh, no. Uh, For those who don't know what you do, Dan, why don't you uh, let folks know? What do you do? What do you do, Dan? What do I do? do Somehow, do? Somehow I've ended up making a living by making geeky rap songs about video games uh which i used to do as a hobby and uh it eventually took up more and more of my time uh and now it's what i do all the time that's fantastic and awesome that the internet is weird enough to allow that to be a career that's great it it is there are there are so many people out there that no matter how weird your interest is you'll find an audience for it which is which is great yeah i love that about youtube that that is by far the best thing about it it just 
it really takes the television model and turns it on its head and says, you know what, there's going to be there's an audience for everything. Just gonna just gonna find it. Yep, there are weirdos out there, is what you're saying. There are weirdos who will watch anything. That is true. That is very true. In fact, there are the existence of many channels that is relying solely on that fact. There need to be more television channels that rely solely on that fact. Very obscure, very focused television channels on certain topics. I think there are like uh, really obscure satellite networks and things like that. You do find that sort of stuff every now and again. When I'm really bored, I tend to flick through onto those strange like foreign Welsh language channels and stuff. And there's just some weird that you can't imagine that another person on Earth is even watching it at the same time as you. It's entirely possible they're not. You may be the only guy. <laughs> yeah. You might be that unique. You're special, more, one might say. There are more people on the program than there are watching it. Yeah, yeah, that's probably <laughs> true. Oh, dear. Welcome to the Goshal Podcast. We do occasionally talk about video games. Coming up with the show, what we've been playing this week, which is probably going to be pretty thin on the ground. We did just have a show on Thursday, and I've been away in Atlanta ever since then. So what I've been playing is what runs on my laptop, which is, as the usual, Hearthstone and uh, Overwatch for the most part. We did play the Let's Bait the Terrorist game by going to Survivor Series. That was fun. Yeah, ISIS might show up. At, but... at Survivor Series? Well, oh. that's what they. Uh, that's what Anonymous claimed. Anonymous claimed I'm... that Survivor Series was a target. I was like, I'm that's pretty, pretty sure The Undertaker can handle ISIS. <laughs> yeah, ISIS get right. tombstone. I don't know what the hell you're talking Fucking about. Real talk for a second. I'm not worried. You shouldn't be worried. The Undertaker would just go like, Ugh, and then you demons see that would rise out of the ground and suck them into the earth. <laughs> exactly. I'm not worried at all. Zero They'll blow him up, and he'll just sit back up. He'll just yeah. and then get back up. I think of all the people you want to mess with, angry Deep South wrestling fans, probably not high on that list. I, oh, I would man. not recommend no. that. No. They'll all be packing as well, so it, it's... it's uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, I imagine there's quite a lot of concealed carry involved in there. Uh, yeah. I, I would not fuck with anybody there. <laughs> it's not a good idea. But yeah, there was the, the problem is it was like, hey, it was a ruse. Anonymous never said that. The problem is there is no official Anonymous, is there? Like... Anonymous we is every- be anonymous. A- anybody yeah. could be anonymous. That, that's the thing. So it's like anonymous made a statement. It's like, well, someone claiming to be anonymous did. It's 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 hard to say. That's why it, it's kind of ridiculous, I suppose, to blame online groups or anything. It's like this online group that anybody can be a part of and has literally no membership requirements did this. Yeah, well, it's they like didn't. The, no, the human race did this. Yeah, it could have been John Cena. It probably was. I, I, I like to blame John Cena for pretty much everything, if possible. You can't see him. Can't no, see him. He's anonymous. He's invisible. You can't see him. Yeah. Oh my God! John Cena's anonymous. Yeah, because it's the one guy you can't see. Mm. <laughs> Are you saying we're all John Cena? I think in our heart we're all a little bit. John we're Cena. all John Cena. I think, I think there's all... a little bit of John Cena in all of us. Yeah. yeah. Do 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 indeed. There's so many jokes. The guy just. I'm just gonna dial it back. I'm just gonna take it back a minute. <laughs> just... It's weird that it's got to the point where just even saying John Cena is somehow funny. Doesn't matter what the context is. You don't need to joke anymore. No, you just need to say John Cena. That's about it. Oh, man. All right, let's talk about the games we've been playing this week. I would like to start with uh, Dan, because apparently you've been uh, deep into Fallout 4. So let's uh, let's go right into that, shall we? I have played nothing uh, except Fallout 4. I was... Anyone that watches my channel probably knows that I'm a pretty big Bethesda fanboy, so I was pretty hyped for fallout 4 sure. um and it's turned out in some ways to exceed my expectations and in other ways to be really quite disappointing it's a big lovely mess of the game i think is probably mm-hmm. the best way to describe it 
it's much bigger in many ways than uh, than previous incarnations of the game. Um, but as a result, there are a lot of things that are pretty much broken, for want of a better word. Um, I've had to I've had to restart my entire PC from the game crashing a few times, which isn't good. Um, and the dialogue system is disappointing me as well because there's always every time there is a dialogue, there's a there's a choice of four conversational options. And because they've kind of paraphrased what you're saying now, rather than showing exactly what you're going to say, you don't always know what they're going to say. So I've occasionally picked a dialogue option and then instantly regretted it because the character has said something that I didn't think they were going to say. Um, but they have, apparently there's, there's been some mods released. That there's a mod that now. Up. Yeah. Yeah. But I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that it should be down to the modding community to do things like that. No, I no. I, I agree strongly with that. It's a... Uh... The Mass Effect conversation wheel thing is probably one of the worst things that has crept onto the scene in the last 10 years or so. I hated what they did to Dragon Age. I loved the nuance of having a mute character that could say some very complex things that I could choose from in Dragon Age Origins, and I absolutely despised what they did with the games after that. Yeah. They're having the voice... It seems to me like having a voiced protagonist in a game like this actually doesn't help it in any way like it's it, it's limiting it, yeah. it, it means um a, a good example of a recent game that doesn't have a voice protagonist is uh i've forgotten the, i've forgotten the name now the, the Baldur's gate um oh pillars of eternity pillars of eternity yeah yeah that that's your um it does have voice acting but not for every single line of dialogue so because of that there is a lot more scope for the, the writing and the writing to shine through yeah um, actual role-playing yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, you could argue that having every single line uh, voiced by, uh, by a voice actor is pushing forward the, the realism, but at the same time, there's only so much that you can record in comparison to having text. So it is, it's also limiting. And often than not, takes me out of the fact that I've created my own character. And it's like, well, my mm. character wouldn't sound like that. You know, this character doesn't really represent me, whereas if this character is mute and I can design him, then, you know, everything I say could be in a jaunty Cockney British accent, if I so desire. Or out, or One out. of the games that was good for that, actually, was uh, the Saints Row series, letting you choose from quite a few different weird voices, including a, yeah. a jaunty Cockney gangster. I picked that immediately. Uh, yeah, yeah. No doubt I about that. I, I, had a, I had a woman, and I still chose the male Cockney gangster voice. It's great because... that you could do that. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. That game just doesn't give a fuck in that regard. It... It depends on the genre, I think. I think in a, a large RPG, I think that mute protagonists are maybe the way to go. If you're going to have a lot of dialogue in your RPG and you're going to allow people to choose and really roleplay a character, I don't think you can have voice acting. And then, of course, there are plenty of other games where voice acting is, is great. And then there are those that kind of straddle the line. Like, Mass Effect, I don't think, would have been a better game if it had a mute protagonist. But maybe that's just because I liked Fem Shep that damn much and she delivered the line so damn well. But honestly, in that game, there was really only... You could only, really only be two kinds of person in that game. You know, goody two-shoes or sarcastic dick, but still kind of good anyway. Mass Effect had more of a formed protagonist anyway. It wasn't you creating them and their yeah. entire story. It was more It was more of you having a bit of an impact on a character that was That's already, true, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right with that. Whereas with Fallout, it is... At least you'd think it would be all about designing your own character and role-playing the wasteland in the way that you want to do it and that's difficult to do as a result yeah they put so much effort they like 
recorded a thousand different names so yeah. that the majority of players would have NPCs read their actual name that they'd chosen their character. They put that much effort into it and then just gave up on the dialogue side. Yeah. It's, well, it's like... Like, none of the options that I just chose are the ones that I would have said, and it doesn't even sound like I would have said it anyway. And more often than not, what annoys me about that system is it obfuscates, as you said. It's like, it just gives you a tiny little bit of information. And I don't know if they're going to be sarcastic or not sarcastic. I don't know if they're going to be a dick about it. I don't know if this is going to end the conversation because it's not clear. Or whether it's just going to be uh, more information, you know, because the way that these games have often worked is there are dialogue options which give more information, and then there are dialogue options which will end the conversation. And I don't know which is which. I found myself having to, uh, I'll be talking to someone, and then the conversation will end without me wanting to end it, and then I have yeah. to go back up to them and, and say, hello, and then go into the next dialogue option. Which oh, kind I feel, of takes that feels so, so clunky, yeah. yeah. yeah can, can we go back to that wheel for a minute? Because thinking about it, that's been a problem with a lot of RPGs for a while now yes. where the wheel has like the text is not what your character says and there's a lot of times where you're like oh this is gonna be a snarky response or you're like yeah this is what i want to like i'm gonna get this guy and then your character says something completely different and you're like wait what that's that's been happening in multiple games for years i think I this is like one of the worst because at least in dragon age it more often than not in dragon age 2 can't remember now. I think it was an in Inquisition as well. It no, gave you a bit of an. It gave it gave you an emotional indicator of kind of mm -hmm. what this is going to be, whereas Fallout Four doesn't give you any of that. It gives you no context to what you're about to click, but I guess it doesn't matter because it's not possible to be a bad guy in Fallout Four anyway. So it doesn't even matter mm -hmm. what you said. Usually like... the dialogue options end up with the same result anyway. They're more of a yeah, they do. cosmetic thing. Yeah, it's mostly just a case of give me more money. And there's no moral system involved in that. Like, there's no reason for you ever not to pick the give you more money option. It's just give me more money. And it's like, oh, well, what if they don't regard you well? I mean, the only thing that that really seems to affect is the companions. And really, like, the companions will never get mad and leave you. It's just whether or not you have access to their kind of trait or not. If they like you, yeah. you get access to their trait. If they don't, you don't. It's that simple. It's easier to make them like you than dislike you as well. It's It's... Like, I, I've swapped through quite a fair few companions and done a, a bunch of things they disliked, and yet they still give me their side quests and everything else. So it seems very minimal, the effect that your, your moral decisions in the game have. Hmm. I mean, I think it's safe to say that really Fallout 4 is a, not much of an RPG. It's, it is a open-world first-person shooter with some RPG elements and some building elements. And those, yeah, it's those more bits, towards Borderlands, I think. More towards Borderlands in, than in the many previous ways. games. Yeah, it, which I, it, I really enjoy Borderlands, but so I am enjoying this game, but it's not. Um, it doesn't have the same depth, I think, that perhaps Fallout uh, New Vegas had, for example. Yeah, I think we always keep coming back to New Vegas because Obsidian mm. made a Fallout game there. You know, with Fallout Three, you saw the the transition begin between what was Fallout One and Two and what Bethesda wanted to make it into, which was really a very Elder Scrolls esque huge world the kind of thing a lot of people enjoy and i'm not discounting the fact that they don't like it you know, <laughs> that they really really enjoy this huge world to explore and things to find a lot of people love that and there's a lot of gameplay to be found there and a lot of people think the bethesda games are great value because of that because they can play for hundreds of hours and they're not wrong you know as someone that spent 300 hours on oblivion they're not wrong but it's less of what fallout used to be and more of this is a Bethesda open world game with a Fallout theme. It's, it's kind of enough, ironic I have... that... Go Carry on, Sam. Carry on. I was going to say, it's kind of <laughs> ironic that Obsidian made New Vegas, which is 
Toda's, you know, probably the, the most RPG element Fallout since the originals. And they're also the ones that made Wasteland 2, which everyone's yeah. saying is better Fallout than Fallout. And um, was it Pillars of Eternity? They made Pillars of Eternity too. I mean, yeah, they, they have a lot of chops when it comes to RPGs, there's no doubt. And they, I think that, that storytelling and that writing really, really dove into that and uh, was very obvious in New Vegas. Not that New Vegas was a perfect game. It was rushed, it was buggy, it had all sorts of problems. But it was more of a Fallout game than this is, I think. You know, it was maybe the true Fallout 3. Simultaneously, though, it's not like people don't enjoy Fallout 4. The shooting, I've got to give them props for that. They really have nailed that down. Combat is something that Bethesda has not done well, like ever. And this is the best combat system they've done in ages. The guns feel like guns. They feel like they have real recoil. They feel responsive. They hit where they're supposed to hit. There's a large variety of them. The customization on the guns and the fact that you can get that right from the start of the game, I actually really love that. I love tinkering with my gear. And Fallout 4 is chock full of that. That's good as well. Yeah, I, uh, One of the really good things about the, the crafting and customizing system as well is that you can't really lock yourself out of anything there's no item you pick up where this item is too much of a high level for you to use if it's too much of a high level then you probably can't make it anyway so whatever you can make you can use uh, and then you can spend your skill points to if, if you want to focus in weapon crafting you can spend your skill points in weapon crafting or armor crafting but every everything that you pick up you can use and uh, everything that you're capable of making you can use there's no kind of lockout by being too high a level or too low a level yeah, that is very true. It Fallout 4 definitely does a lot of things right. It's it's just the direction it's gone in for me personally as a Fallout fan is not what I wanted. But I know for a lot of people, especially considering how well it's sold, it's obviously gone in the right direction. You know, it's sell, selling a lot more than the original games did. It's a lot less niche. It's a lot... I mean, it appeals to a wider audience. There's no doubt about that. I remember buying Fallout 2 back probably 15 years ago or so, and I had no idea what it was at the time. And I couldn't play it because I hadn't really played a turn-based RPG like that before. And I gave up on Fallout 2. Actually, I actually had a similar problem when I first bought it. Yeah. It, probably if I went back now and, and explored it, I'd probably find a lot more and get a lot more out of it. But at the time, I think I was a, a teenager used to playing shooters and stuff. Yeah. So back then, I probably would have really enjoyed Fallout 4, which wasn't available. Uh, and Fallout 2 was totally alien to me. Whereas now, perhaps, I'm probably going to be the opposite. And I've got a bit of fatigue of playing massive open world exploration games and shooters i'd probably rather something with a tighter storyline and uh, more rpg elements yeah something a bit less grindy i mean for me it's the opposite of what a lot of people like about bethesda games they see bethesda games as great value for money because they get hundreds of hours out of it but for me i don't want a game that'll give me hundreds of hours because there are too many games there have been too many games for a long time i want to play lots of different experiences and I don't want to sink so, so much into a, just one title, especially when a lot of what I'm doing is not actually great gameplay. It's just going through the motions. Running around picking up junk everywhere is not enjoyable. What happens afterwards, if I'm able to make it into something fun, can be, sure. But, but, some, but sometimes, especially with this game, sometimes the making fun stuff is it doesn't exist. Like... Even the making stuff is going through the motions in Fallout 4. Like, even the process of just making things, you're like, making this again, doing this again. Like, ah, oh, it drives me crazy. I'm not a fan of Fallout 4. I just don't like it. 
I think it's definitely yeah. pandered to a bit of a change in what a lot of people have been enjoying from their games over the last few years. They've realized that players like to be a bit more creative, and as a result, they like a bit more of a sandbox. And Fallout 4, I think, is a, definitely a response to that. I don't think there's any question that Fallout 4's building and stuff probably would have never happened if Minecraft didn't exist, or if the various... Uh, early access survival games didn't exist, things like Rust and Ark and all that sort of thing. I think it's a definite response and a shift towards what a lot of people are enjoying these days. It is. I'm not sure how well it's been integrated into it being a, a single-player experience, though, because mm. the, the building side almost, although it's a lot of fun, it does feel just like a sandbox, where it doesn't feel like it's particularly contributing to the advancement of the plot. It, it feels tacked to, on. It yeah, feels last-minute tacked on. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. the, the interface for it's a nightmare. It's, I, I tried building a little certain settlement in that, and just like, what is this? This It reminds me of what, um, there was an older game, uh, what the hell did they call it, the Bureau, which was that XCOM third-person shooter that tried to have a strategy layer on it, and yet all mm. the strategy layer was actually just using a third-person camera, and it even collided with the terrain in the same way. I was like, the only way this was going to work is if you made a separate UI for it, and you didn't, and Fallout kind of feels like that as well. I, if I wanted to build a settlement, I want to do it from above and build it kind of you know, SimCity style or whatever. I'd want an interface for that, and they just don't have that. I have to say, I've got. Uh, it was difficult to begin with, but I got kind of used to the interface after so many hours of building. Yeah, you do. It's you definitely intu- do. Intuitive now, and mm. I do understand why they haven't gone for the for the kind of god mode approach because the rest of the game is played pretty much from first person perspective. So sure, the building could be as well. But having said that. They could have been maybe they could have implemented, um, you know, the, the aspect of the game where you can assign roles to different settlers. You could assign buildings so you could tell people to build this, tell people to build that, rather than just farming and moving items back and mm. forth. Yeah, I think uh, this is probably preaching to the choir, but I feel like this is the perfect example game of why a number rating system is awful, because every review I read was like. Yeah, here's all the problems that are wrong with it. 9.5 nine or anyway. 9. Yeah. And it's like, I know that deep down in your heart, you want to give this like an 8 or a 7. Or, but, but then when you hit that, then it's like, oh, that means it's a bad game. Oh, if you yeah. give it a 7, that means it's a bad Like, then why the hell have 1 through 5? You're, ne- you're never going to use <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. Why have them? And, well, it, yeah. I mean, there was, there, was, there was a little spat, which I think is like over and done with now, where on one of the Rooster Teeth podcasts, a couple of people on there were taking shots at uh, Jeff Gersman for giving the console version of Fallout 4 a 3 out of 5. And the reason he did that is because on console it runs like absolute shit. And it's buggy and it has performance problems. It's like, you know what, I can't in all good conscience give a game that runs like that this, you know, this high rating. And he was one of the only people willing to do that. It's crazy that 3 out of 5 is considered a scandalously low score right? as well. Mm. I mean, that's yeah. above average. Like, 2.5 would be average mm. there. Well, if I, if I see, like, a, a 2.5 out of 4 in a movie, I'm like, all right, cool, it ain't that bad, and I'm in. Yeah, like, I'll probably watch a... it. It's average. Dude, if I see two stars on Netflix, I'm giving it a go. All right. Yeah, like, all right, this isn't awful. Yeah, it, could be a, it could be a terribly good, bad movie. I don't know. But, but if you see a game that's below 3, you assume that the game doesn't even work. Right. Yeah. It's, right. It's so bad. what's the so it's like what's the point of having like those kind? It drives me crazy, and I think it's a very good point to show that Fallout has a lot wrong with it, 
all the reviews are just like, it's, it's, it has problems, but 9 out of 10. But it's, it's Fallout. What? We can't give a Fallout game any lower than that. You know, it's... I think, like, uh, if you look at the way movies are rated in particular and the huge uh, differences in uh, things like Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb, there are plenty of movies on there that I've enjoyed that have been, like, 5 out of 10. No, 6 out of 10. No problem at all. And I think for games, it's very rare to find a game that's consistently rated around, like, 60 or 70 that you really, really enjoy. It's got to be almost a case of them not understanding the game. You know, like when... um, IGN's infamous review of God Hand gave it like a three because the guy who reviewed it didn't get it. You know? there, there are some times when that occurs, but I think with a popular game, a hyped game, there's no way that game is getting anything less than an eight. And there's a number of reasons for that. And people are, a lot of reviewers all are terrified of, of it. Yeah, I, all, yeah, of course, all of them are wrong, definitely. I They're think one of the problems with this is, and it's the same with films, if I read an honest review of a film, that brings up some bad points and gives it like a 6 out of 10. I go into the film expecting a 6 out of 10 film and then I am pleasantly surprised if mm. it is exceeds my expectations. And this is like what's happening with Overwatch and I'm sure we'll touch on that later, but it's so common in games where journalists are so afraid to rate a successful popular franchise poorly that people read a good review and then they go in and then they're disappointed. Well, there's because a lot of... they, were, they were misled to an extent by yeah, you. There's a lot of confirmation bias involved as well. I think a lot of gamers only look for reviews that confirm what they already thought in the first place. They only look for good reviews mm. to justify their purchase. They even look for that after they've already bought it. I've had people that bought a game and then I'll put a video out two weeks later, get mad at me for my opinion. It's like, you already own the game. Why the fuck do you care? You're enjoying it. How does my opinion change that? I mean, that's, that's mm. ludicrous. You're already having fun, so why are you even looking at my opinion, <laughs> you know? You've already bought the game. What use can my opinion be? That was me with Battlefront. I went around to go find out who else thought it was shit, and I, I yep. just looked up everyone's reviews. Like, this guy agrees, he's cool. This guy agrees, he's cool. I was like, all right, we good. And that's all I cared about. I <laughs> oh, like, man. I just want confirmation that I'm not crazy, because I got not. blasted on Twitter like, it's amazing, you just have too high standards. I was like, <sighs> maybe I Jesse do. Jesse Cox has too high standards, said nobody ever. The lowest score the Battlefront got was a six. And if I was the sort of people that, I was the sort of person that would give uh, reviews, that would be the highest score I would give Battlefront. I'd probably give it lower than that. And I think that a lot of uh, these people didn't give it that because it looks really pretty. And it's Star Wars, and it's a big-budget, fun-looking game. It's like, well, we can't give that a five. You know, it looks far too pretty to be a five. It would be interesting to see what kind of response that game would get if the Star Wars kind of skin was removed from it, and it was a completely, like, a new idea. It would burn. It would burn. It would burn. People want it to succeed because it's everything like, they dreamed of as a child. So yep. people are reticent to, to perhaps admit that it's not what they were expecting. Yeah, I, I think so. Mm. And again, there's a lot of fanboyism surrounding that. I think that the, the two games that I've got the most backlash for talking negatively about have been Fallout and Battlefront over the last few weeks, no doubt about that. Because people really, they're really emotionally invested in these games, you know? And if you tap on their shoulder and say, hey, mate, maybe, maybe it's not as good they get really, really upset. It's, uh, which, 
is strange, oddly enough, because if you're enjoying it, then you shouldn't care what anybody else thinks about it. Right, and I feel like if you're just the average gamer and you're just someone who enjoys the franchise and you like Battlefront, cool. That's your jam. I'm glad you enjoy it. But if you're, like, someone who's reviewing and you're supposed to be reviewing and, like, looking at the game and, and talking about what the game is and getting in detail about what's in it, it's your job to be like, this game's kind of shit. There's really a lot is. of this game that's not good. And that's cool. If, if people play it and they still think, oh, this is a great game, screw that reviewer, fine. But as a reviewer, it's your job to call out the BS in the game that's there. And it drives me crazy. Like, I just, I don't like this whole new system of like, well, as, as a fan and a reviewer, can't be that way you can't be that way dog you can you but you've got to you got to be very clear about uh, distancing those two things uh, fr from each other and well, I that's, but I'm, that's why you didn't haven't i've seen no witcher 3 stuff from utb and it's because like you're like i can't be impartial with that well that's because literally i was getting money from gog like that's, uh, yes there's a bit of a difference between, I think, being a fan, like, say, I really like the books of Witcher 3, or GOG is literally paying me monthly to sponsor my esports team. You know, the, the, there's a difference between conflict of interest and undue bias. You know, you can be biased towards... A, I, oh. I, I look at every 40k game, for instance. Like, I'm big into Warhammer. I look at all the Warhammer games. <laughs> so, to some people, that's valuable, because I know a lot about Warhammer, so I can give an interesting perspective simultaneously, you could argue that there's some games that I only play because they're Warhammer, and if they didn't have a Warhammer theme, I would never touch them. And theme is important to a lot of people. Yeah, but, at the point you were making about called, Star Wars. You've called out some Warhammer games on being I've called out awful. most of them shit, because they are. Fucking <laughs> awful. So, I mean, yeah, there's a difference between being a fanboy and just <laughs> acknowledging reality. And look, as a Star Wars fanboy, to the nth degree... I wanted that game to be fucking amazing. And mm. for a while, I was like, give it time. It'll be good. It'll be good. And even after I played it at E3, I was like, all right, you know what? That sucked. That demo was awful, but they'll I They'll improve of, it, right? Yeah, maybe they'll improve it. Nope. Nope. And I, I can't as, as, you know, if you're a fan, you oh. need to have the highest standards. And that's why I think there's it, also a difference between being a fan and being a fanboy, I think, yes. because a, yeah. a fan is someone that, that likes it and a fanboy is someone that will claim to like it no matter what and yes. can't tolerate someone disliking it. Yeah, th this this corporate loyalty thing is the dumbest thing that maybe has popped up over the last ten or so years. Like I'm loyalty to this I'm loyal to this company or this product. Like, no, idiots. They're not loyal to you. You know, they they will encourage this attitude because they want a guy who will tirelessly post about how great their shit is on the internet all day for free. Not only for free, th this person's giving money to the company for the privilege to do it. It's the stupidest thing in the universe. But, Jesse, you brought up an interesting point. As a Star Wars fan, I mean, you and yourself are, I mean, we all have biases, and you, you have a bias there because your expectation was maybe higher as a hardcore Star Wars fan than a casual Star Wars fan would be. Well, it's expect Star Wars fan expectation was... Uh, are the scenarios cool? And admittedly, as a Star Wars fan, I love playing on Hoth. I thought Hoth was amazing. I love going to Solace. I love, like, I love the experience. But when you play the game, the gameplay shit. Like, mm -hmm. it's I love the experience. I love the idea of what it can do. And I think that's when you have that fanboy level where it's like, I'm here. I'm doing this. This yes. is so cool. I'm in this world. I will ignore everything else about the game that is garbage. And I think that's kind of what they were going for is give you the experience and hopefully they'll forget that they, like they'll ignore the flaws with the game. Yeah. And, and some people have. Person, 
Yeah, and as a person who plays games for a living, you just can't ignore the you flaws. Ignore You're like, no. I can't, I can't do it. And mm. as a massive fan of Star Wars, it's like, all right, I, I, I like some of the stuff here, but a vast majority of it makes it impossible for, for me to want to come back to it. It's interesting because fans can simultaneously be the biggest critics of a developer or a property, and they can simultaneously also be the biggest defenders that will blindly ignore everything. You know, it's... The, I mean, the console wars are a prime example of that. People still war over PS4 versus Xbox One, which is ludicrous. It's like, what is there to fight over? You know? I mean, if you had the money, you'd buy both, right? And people yeah, both, would turn around man. and say no. We're like, they're idiots. Why would they? It's such a small margin of difference as well to to, to care about. I mean, they both essentially do the same thing. It, it, mm. there's, it's only a superficial difference between them. It's, it's like a, a handful of exclusives, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, and there's a bit of a performance difference between the two, but not, you know, they both still perform badly and, you know, compared to PC, but you know, the PS4 has more powerful hardware. That's That's obvious, but regardless it's it's just a case of why be so loyal it's all about to me reinforcing your purchase decision for like consoles in particular it's a lot of a case well i can only afford one so the one that i choose has got to be the best right and i couldn't because I, I couldn't have made that i couldn't have made a bad choice when it came to my purchase that happened a lot i remember being at school and and uh this was at the time when it was x the original xbox and the ps2 Two, it would have been yeah and uh, yeah People's opinion on which was best was pretty much exactly corresponding to the one that they owned. They owned exactly. No one, no one would say, "Well, I've got an Xbox, but I think the PS2 is better." No one, no one was going to. No say one that. would admit to making that <laughs> mistake, you know, because they, yeah. they, uh, they uh, the perfect consumer. They always buy the best thing. They're always the most informed, even though they aren't, and they always believe that whatever they chose was the best option. Anyone that didn't choose it is is an idiot. There was um this great little comic and uh, see if I can actually find it that I think sums up like tribalism and fanboyism really, really well. It's uh, called the, the Rabbit God and the Duck God. And Oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, the image is, there can be no peace until they renounce their Rabbit God and accept our Duck God. And they're bo they both have a banner with exactly the same picture on it, but one side thinks it's a duck and one side thinks it's a rabbit. Oh, cool. Right. It's, re it's, really a, it's really a lot like the that. The ears of the beak. Yeah, 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 the yeah, beak. yeah, it's like it's just two interpretations on basically the same thing. You're fighting over over nothing, really. And to a lesser extent, it happens with games because games are expensive. You know, that November is a nightmare month for a lot of people because they can't afford all the games. So they've got to make choices. And if they choose something, they become invested in it. If they chose Battlefront over Black Ops, they're probably going to shit on Black Ops and uh, say Battlefront's amazing. Mm. Which is a, a bit unfortunate. Poor Black yeah. Ops. Well, hey, we talked. We talked about Black Ops, and me and Strippin are both. Uh, we're on. We're on board with Black Ops. It's like I love it. It's it's a COD game, and it does COD well. You know, that's what I'll say about it. Like it does Call of Duty well, and it has a lot of content. Actually, surprising amounts of content for what's mm -hmm. in the box. Two but it's campaigns. still COD. Yeah, two campaigns. Like, which is really surprising. Uh, you play through the first campaign, and then you can play it again, and everyone becomes a zombie, and it changes the plot entirely. Like, they have a new game plus, which is almost is a different plot. It's like, wow, you actually did that. That's really surprising. And the zombie mode is really fleshed out, and there's a shitload of multiplayer modes, like a fucking huge number of them. And then EA took arguably the most story-driven franchise of all time and didn't give it any story. Oh, all. yeah. When, when I saw that it was going to be multiplayer only, I just thought, what a wasted opportunity. Because I used to play Dark Forces and Jedi They've Knight. They've got a 10-year contract. Oh man, 
they're going to ruin it for 10 years straight. Oh, dear. You know, and the, the, the sad thing is... The... you got to make it sad, huh? You just <laughs> take it out of your levels? The sad thing is you can still do story with a multiplayer game. I think Titanfall did a decent job of it. I think Brink did a better job. And obviously everyone hates on Brink, and I'll defend it to the death. But Brink had this really interesting idea that every single mission should have its own story, and it should be a campaign that leads from one to the next to the next to the next. And there's actual context to everything you do. And I think Brink did a great job of that through uh, cutscenes and through having an actual campaign that you run through from start to finish in multiplayer. Titanfall did it a bit too. I think there's room. You could have done that, but Star Wars, like Battlefront just doesn't at any point. Like, you give, why are they back on Hoth? I don't have a fucking clue. Why are they back on Endor and yet like the Ewoks aren't helping them? Like, is this canon? Is this not canon? It doesn't seem to be canon from what I can tell. And yet, even though it's not canon... You don't even try to use, like, expanded universe stuff and everything like that. The, the game has one vehicle. One. Fucking ATST is the only vehicle. I don't count the speeder bikes. They're everything too, else is on rails. You're absolutely right. The yeah. speeder bikes are too shit to even count as a vehicle, you know? It has one vehicle. And if you only watched those first, uh, the, well, I say the first three, you know, four, five, and six, then even then they had more vehicles than that. You know, they could have had speeders and things like that. But it seems like they stuck really closely to canon representations of certain things and yet only when it seemed convenient enough to do it like the weapons are the weapons canon now, some of them are some of them aren't a lot of them weren't even featured in the films so i'm thinking to myself well okay if you're willing to feature things that aren't in the films then why not go the whole org and add some more interesting content to it and they didn't they also so announced like the worst of both worlds it really is the worst yeah. of both worlds yeah yeah they announced that they uh would not be adding any content from the new Star Wars films to the game in the future expansions as well. Which makes no damn sense. Because like so, what you see you pro is probably what you're gonna get. Maybe yeah. you'll get like one, maybe you'll get Yoda. But there's like, no coherent story to, to Battlefront. Anything else. So that to me there's no the excuse not to dip into that. Mm -hmm. You know, you could go Clone Wars with it. You could go episode seven onwards with it. You could go expanded universe. You could go fucking old republic with it. But you chose I to do none of those things. Whether it's a licensing issue with Disney, perhaps, and they're, they're might, maybe they're restricted to maybe. what they can show. We maybe. don't know. But um, that's actually, that's actually kind of in my in my fanboy mind. I'm like, well, maybe this was the shit one they tried to rush out before the movie came out. But then the next one, because the movie's out, then they'll have like a bunch of cool stuff in it. That's literally as we're having this conversation. <laughs> that's how much of a fan I am of a thing that I hate. I just want to point. I'm like, maybe next two... time it'll be good. They've got a season pass people have already bought, so they've got two more expansions to release for this game before they even make another one. Oh, it was four. Four content packs. Is it four? It's usually four with, uh, the, with EA season passes. If they go the, battle, the Battlefield model, then it will be four. Mm. I mean, they're, and they're, 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 they're selling the, the content packs, they're marking it as Battlefront 2. The expansion for Battlefront this, 1. This but there's going to be nothing from the new <laughs> movies in it. What... So, like, Clone Wars stuff is, I guess, what's going to be in it. You, I mean, they had no problem putting that into pray. Battlefront 2, you know? You can pray that Clone Wars is going to be in it. I, I mean, I don't particularly care about that era in Star Wars at all, so I'm not interested, but whatever. Apparently it has five expansions, chat's telling me. It's like, oh, shit. And they're already working on an actual sequel. It, oh I, I just, I don't get it. Like, they adhere to canon only when it makes very little sense to adhere to canon. And yeah, like, all of it's all of it's fucking stupid. You know, I mean, sorry, Leo, uh, the Emperor was not on Hoth. That didn't happen. You know, 
fucking Boba Fett was not zipping around on Endor killing Ewoks. That didn't happen. A lot of this stuff did not happen, so why not use the full breadth of that universe to make something interesting? You know, why why don't I have a tie tank? You know, I know the tie tank is in the expanded universe. Why is there not a tie tank? It's like, oh, it's not canon. Yeah, but like a lot of this other shit isn't either. So I think I didn't it, realize there was a TIE tank. I am now yeah. going to Google that. Oh, man. That's uh, totally true. When it comes to TIE fighter variants, oh, man, I know my there's shit. There's a lot. There's a lot of them. Yeah. Oh, wow. oh, you've got all the models, haven't you, TV? I've got a lot of models on my uh, on my shelf right here. And a lot of this stuff, like, they're like, no, this isn't canon anymore. It's like, fuck your canon. You know, it's this, this right here is a, a fucking E Wing. This is a fucking E Wing that was in none of the movies whatsoever this is fucking canon as far as i'm concerned and i don't care if you're doing this whole oh it's star wars legends the expanded universe doesn't count anymore i'm sorry most of the cool stuff came after the films and what they did with it after the fact not you know not w- what was in the films in the first place there's uh it's a strange rigid adherence and honestly i wouldn't even care about that if if the game was actually good but it's not you know it's it, that, that game is full of cheese it's full of dying to random shit it's full of a complete lack of teamwork because there's no way to even work as a team in that game. It's full of playing the same... It. They purposefully limit your teamwork. They, like, keep the, the amount of people you can... Have. Oh, God damn it! I hate that game. I hate that game. The partner system is pointless. The partner system is just a walking... Pointless. Pointless. Silent spawn point. And yes, you get to pick, like, their loadout, mm-hmm. and that's assuming you even end up as a partner. Half the time, I don't have a partner. For whatever reason. I don't know why. I mean, how the fuck hard can it be to match people up with partners in a 20-on-20 game with even numbers? I don't know, but apparently they manage it repeatedly. So there's I'm a... just re- realizing how much I, I miss LucasArts now. Because oh, there was a kind God, of a yeah. golden golden era of Star Wars games. Some of the yeah, first there was. PC games I had were uh, Dark Forces, uh, TIE oh, Fighter, Rebel yeah. Assault 2. They were all fantastic. Fuck Rebel Assault 2. That game was evil. But everything else, really? great. Are you kidding me? That game was so difficult. It was the most difficult on-rails evil fucking game I've ever played. It was tough, but it it did really make you feel like you were in a Star Wars film more than anything else that I played. Uh, I'll give you that, yeah, because I think at, at that time it was like, hey, we're just going to focus on making an authentic Star Wars experience that's on-rails as fuck, and we're going to let you do it in different ways. It's like, hey, you're in an X-Wing now. Hey, you're in a speeder now, and all that kind yeah. of thing. But that game was rock hard. Oh, God. They evil, did quite a lot game. of FMV stuff as well, didn't they? Yeah, like, they did. Yeah, which is something that doesn't they're happen. A, they're a company that had passion for Star Wars. Yeah, of course. Foremost. Why wouldn't they? And it wasn't just the fucking money, money yeah. ploy. You yeah. know what? I'd like to shut down. By the way, the people that keep telling everybody, "Oh, yeah, Battlefront's just a battlefield reskin." No, it isn't, and that's the problem. Because if it was, it would be a lot better. <laughs> it's not at all. A Battlefield reskin, it abandons most of the principles that make Battlefield a good game. Whether it be squad play, teamwork, combined arms, sensible spawns, proper game modes, all that kind of thing, that's not there. You know, there's no fucking power-ups. Well, actually, that's not true. There are a couple of power-ups in uh, in Battlefield recently, but generally speaking, it's not a power-up orientated game. You don't have an ability that just calls down orbital strike and kills 10 people from the fucking sky. Everything has a role. Everything has a proper counter. And it has good gunplay. Like, the Battlefront, they deliberately made the gunplay pseudo-random. They added random scatter to the guns, and they made most of the engagements at long range. So in reality, your actual shooting skill is not that relevant. <laughs> Jesse's just slowly just I looking can't... at the crowd, just nodding. Yeah. Uh, and... That's because he's right. That's because he's right. It's a shit game, and I can't... 
I, I can't handle the amount of shit I got over the last two weeks that's like, you're wrong. I hope you die. I'm like, oh my god, alright, well. It's, nah, it's, it's asininely bad. Like, it's got a bunch of game modes, and yet there's only one game mode that's even worth playing, and that's fucking uh, Walker Assault. And even Walker Assault isn't properly fleshed out enough to be interesting. It doesn't take advantage of the various areas you're in. You know, why is it that on Endor we can't, like, use Ewok traps and shit against uh, ATSTs and, you know, have logs fall on them and shit? You know, that would be thematic and useful. It's like, hey, we'll give you speeder bikes, except we'll design the level in a way that speeder bikes can't be used. Totally useless. You can't do anything with them. They're fucking useless. I've only seen two guys ride them, and they immediately went into a wall flash tree. <laughs> Just you can't do anything with them. Like, you can't. Maybe a second on the bike. You That's are it. better off being on foot. Like, not only are you a smaller target, but your gun's better on foot. The guns on the front of the speeder bikes are fucking garbage. And really, there's no... You know, the level isn't even designed around using them. It would at least make sense if you could jump a couple of people on a speeder bike and have them speed to the objective. But there's no way to do that. Most of the objectives are, like, indoors, or they're fucking on a hill that you can't get the speeder bike up, or whatever. So there's you can't even use them for that. I don't even know why they're there. They're there just because they're, they're there to tick a box. You know, it's like, it's a Star Wars game. It almost feels like the same with the fighters as well. It almost feels like to me, for the most part, the fighters are there to tick a box. Because you've got to have X-Wings and TIE Fighters in a Star Wars game. But like, what the hell is the point of most of them? I have to ask. Like, outside the Snowspeeder, which in a very, very rare circumstance might, maybe... Might bring down, might bring it down. Which happens maybe once in a hundred games no at most. no one ever uses it, yeah. Uh... Yeah. What, what is the point? Like... You, you move so very quickly, it's actually kind of hard to provide ground support with any of those aircraft. And they're not even designed for that anyway, really. Oh, their abilities are designed around going fast for the most part and locking on to a vehicle. Like, you can kill an ATST with it, or you can do damage to an ATAT with it. But outside of that, you know, what is the point of even using fighters? There's no reason. They don't, they don't contribute to the battle in any way. I mean, to be fair, Battlefield has had this problem for ages, where there's like, well, jets are in the game. Yeah, but what do they do, exactly? Get and shut down by AAs. Yeah, Ooh. get shut down by AA or other jets. Like it, would be, it would be alright if you could actually see targets on the ground. You, can, you barely can. But you especially can on Hoth, they're all white-colored. Oh, so God, like, yeah. What the fuck am I shooting at? Oh, God. I think, like, the biggest, the biggest example of just how stupid Battlefront is with just including things for the sake of including things is the fact that Imperials can get a fucking anti-vehicle turret drop. The rebels have no vehicles. There's no point in that even being there. That 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 power up is literally useless. It's completely worthless. Oh man, it. I don't I don't like anything about that game other than how it looks. I hate how it plays. It's one of my least favorite FPS. Sound design's cool. Time. It sounds good. Yeah, it Sometimes sounds great. It looks fun. great. One of the best yeah. looking games I've played all year, and that's all it is. It's a pretty face. That sucks. Do you think it's a game that if, if it was opened up to the modding community, that the modding community with the passion of being Star Wars fans and stuff would be able to kind of salvage it and maybe make it into what people were maybe. expecting? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they'd have to completely change the gunplay. I'd say take out the vast majority of the cheese, you know? The fucking spammable infinite five-second grenades need to go. The orbital strikes pretty much need to go. The, uh, the f- thermal imploders, the... Even the way, like... ATSTs work in that game. There's or, there's no middle ground between a, uh, how an ATST operates. Either an ATST murders 30 rebels before he goes down, or instantly gets shot by two people that happen to spawn with ion torpedoes or a smart rocket. Like there's no middle ground, and it's like that that vehicle has a high variance and is just annoying as shit. If that vehicle comes up to you and you have no way to deal with it, well, you're gonna respawn. It's you're as dead. simple as that. Yeah. 
because you're not part of a squad that might have a balanced anti-vehicle or whatever. It's like, hey, take cover while anti-vehicle guys pick off. No, there's none of that. Does the guy have an ion torpedo or a power-up? If not, the ATST is going to dominate. It's that simple. But, I mean, you'd have to change a lot about it. You'd have to change the gunplay. I think you'd have to redesign the maps in such a way that they didn't have such shitty spawns. You'd have to redesign them in a way they're more interesting. Take away KD entirely. Why is that even in the game? I mean, fuck, you rebels, you're going to die more than you kill. It's that simple. Yeah, the rebels is just about objective winning. You know you're just running to your death over and over again. <laughs> and any rebel who's not doing that is not helping your team. That's that asshole who's like, I'm going to use my sniper rifle that only fires once every 15 seconds to stand up here in this corner. Fuck you. You're not doing anything. Help the team, you're asshole. That. Yeah, you're yeah. not doing anything. I mean, to be fair, the sniper rifle is the only gun that doesn't have, like, bullet dispersions. So. Yes, yes, it doesn't spray all over the place. Yeah. It... Like, when I get to level 28, I'm going to put on the charge sniper rifle and the, and and the, the other cycler. sniper rifle. Why wouldn't you? And then I'm going to have the sharpshooter perk, and I'm going to constantly just have them off cooldown, and I'm never yeah. going to fight anyone. And that's the only way I'm yeah. going to get my KD. Because it's the only guns that actually reward aim. The rest of them are just like, don't overheat your gun and fire in bursts. And you may kill the guy, or you may not. Because it's down more often than not to the uh, to the random dispersion of the shots you know but now you know how stormtroopers feel because that's what happens <laughs> yes yeah, it's immersion it yeah. all makes yeah. sense they even, they even put in the movie scream so when people <laughs> die they like ragdoll and they go ah yeah oh it's it is a really I, I, maybe after five expansions it might be good but right now that game is tosh just tosh it's Toshley Station, and they got no power converters. That's what it is. Just awful. <laughs> yeah, uh, so, so I haven't been playing much of that. I've been forcing myself to play it just because I need to do a video on it, and I want to have a good enough hours so that people can't turn around and say, well, you haven't played 170 hours of the game, so I don't think you really understand the competitive meta. Okay, no. Uh, <laughs> I think there's not a lot to understand about that game. That is a very, very simple game. But it's pretty. And it runs well. So it, is it is pretty. Well. It's about Star Wars. You can't even run it, can you, TB? Well, uh, I had uh, issues with connecting. It's got a weird NAT problem. Like, no other game seems to have that. I had to plug my modem direct... I had to plug my uh, PC directly into my modem to actually reliably connect to servers. Because most of the time, it would just disconnect me for no reason. It's the only game that does that. I've never seen a game that ever has operated that way. I had that with... Uh... Far Cry 3 for some strange reason. I don't know why. But yeah, it shouldn't be happening. Mm. Definitely odd. Definitely odd. Okay, let's take a break. And then we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about the games we've been playing this week. Hopefully uh, more positive talk about the game we've been playing this <laughs> week. I certainly hope so. You're watching the Corruptional Podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. You just heard the sounds of our uh, guest Dan Bull with his Star Wars Battlefront rap, which is a lot better than the actual game. <laughs> just want to point that out. I, I can't say that myself, but if, if that's your opinion, then That we'll is my opinion, that. and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> there we go. Oh, man, what have we been playing this week? Has, uh, I know, uh, Stripper, you've been still playing a lot of Black Ops, so how's that been going? I'm playing a little bit of Black Ops. It's still going good. Um... I'm, I'm like, uh, I got a little bit addicted to the case openings. Oh, uh, yeah, the, the, that game actually does have a, a sort of loot system. I mm. don't think I've played it enough to get my first loot drop yet. It's all cosmetic, though, right? 
yeah, it's, it's all cosmetic from emotes to rare to outfits, and they're rated like common, rare, and legendary. And so basically yeah. you get a couple of points every game, and you can use 10 points to open a chest, and you get three items in the chest. Yeah. So you can get like legendary skins and all these kind of collectibles. You can't get anything with the, with real money. It's all just in-game stuff. So it's purely rewarding how much you play, which is really cool. But um, yeah, I played that. I played Fallout. I went back to Fallout 4 uh this week and i actually played it kind of differently than how i played it initially because i was disappointed with the base building and the storyline and stuff so i was like all right i'm gonna make a character called one punch man based on the anime <laughs> okay. so i made one punch man got it, made it look like him and everything and so the whole premise was i was playing on the hardest difficulty i was only allowed to use fist weapons and i was not allowed to use power armor that was the whole playthrough. And we ignored story mode, we ignored dialogue, we ignored quests, and I just walked around Fallout, just fighting the hardest monsters I could. Actually, one-punched a Deathclaw at one point <laughs> because the game bugged out, and I punched the Deathclaw, and it threw him 500 feet into the air, and then he died on impact when he landed. So just <laughs> standard Fallout 4 bugs. Were just, and they made, it, it, the playthrough was fun. It was really fun um, because we just... Kind of took the Mickey out of Fallout and just, it was literally just a case of, oh, there's an enemy. Let's see if we can kill him in one punch. And that was the whole thing. Um, today I've been playing Bloodborne. A DLC came ah, out yes, today. Ah, new, yes, new DLC, yeah. Mm -hmm. The Old Hunters. Uh, I was watching a couple of content creators stream it yesterday. It looks amazing. Really, really good reviews. A lot of people saying it's the best DLC that From Software have ever come out with. And they've made some pretty um, good DLC. And they have, yeah. It's getting really, really good reviews, so I'm I'm working my way up to playing that later tonight, which should be really good. Probably going to play that after the stream. I heard some weird things about like as usual with From, they don't like give it access to you immediately. You've got to there's a way that you've actually got to get access to the content. Mm -hmm. So um, you actually have to beat the fourth boss in the game. So it's it's a mid midway through the game thing, um, and then you have to go to a certain enemy with a certain item. And then you get teleported to a new realm. So people have to actually discover how to to get the DLC. That's from in a work, nutshell. It was the yeah, same thing they did with Artorias. It. And it, it's not something that comes at the end of the game. It actually comes as an addition into your experience. They've put like 10 new weapons in and loads of new enemies and stuff and new items. So Does it give you any guidance on on like how to find it or is it just um, you get like you get like flavor text and stuff in the items, but typically with most from software games, you kind of have to like figure it out a little bit. But once one person figures it out, word gets around and everyone kind of knows how to do it now. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm i looking forward to trying out. I also played Mordheim yesterday. Uh, yes, for a couple of hours. yeah, yeah. I have that. I haven't quite had a chance to dive into it yet, though. What do you think of it so far? Uh, I like it. It's definitely um, a very hardcore strategy game. Yes. Uh, it's not... Like, you have to really kind of have your focus on the game it's not multi i originally thought it was co-op it's not co-op but there is a player versus player elements so you mm -hmm. can create a team um initially it's of five uh warhammer units so you can be like warlocks or you can be skaven or you can be humans and uh you send your units out on missions to fight other npc created teams there's no mini map so you're like submerged in these cities in mordheim and you have to actually navigate your men through the city streets 
uh, and you can set players up to ambush enemies and they can set up to ambush you and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it's actually got like injuries and deaths and all that kind of stuff. It has so that persistence like Blood, Blood Bowl mm. does. Yeah. So your character can actually lose an arm and if he, if he manages to survive and you get him treatment, he can actually rejoin the fight with one arm and stuff like that. So it's like, it's so pretty cool having a guy that gets mortally wounded and then he's like comes back and he becomes like a, a boss and he gets stronger and stuff. So. Someone in chat was saying they were playing, I think like the cultists, the chaos cultists, and one of their main guys lost his right arm, but next level up, he got a mutation that regrew him another arm. That's so amazing. He had like a chaos tentacly arm after that. It's uh, yeah. People are looking at it on the stream are probably kind of confused as to what it is. It is a turn-based game, but it's not done from a top-down perspective. It's actually done from a sort of third-person perspective, and how far you can move is indicated with a circle on the ground. Mm. So it's, it's a little bit of a weird way of doing things, but I imagine a lot of that has got to do with trying to ambush people, as you mentioned earlier, not being able to see the entire map at any given time. Yeah. It's... I. I really like it. There's, you can like jump up, you can set up arches and windows and um, overview of the street. And also um, they have like side quests. So you'll have, an, depending on what race you pick, you'll have an overlord. And every 10 days he will demand a tribute of you. Right. And tri the tribute is in the, often in the form of these crystals. And you have to warp actually... Stone. Yeah. Warp stones. Yeah, you have to explore the town and find the warp stones. And the enemy team is also finding the warp stones. Uh, you're in, and you can only carry like two per guy, so you have to try and cart them back and forth to your uh, cart, which is your base that you start with in the town. The enemy can steal them from your cart, you can steal them from the enemy cart. So there's a lot more elements than just fighting the enemy team. Uh, there's also like, there'll be a bounty on a specific enemy player, uh, so you have to try and locate that specific player and get a bounty and stuff like that. So they, they add lots of elements to keep you on your toes, it's not just a fighting game but the level up and the customization you can do with your characters and stuff is all really really good i've been having a lot of fun with it actually did you play the, the tabletop version at all is it faithful i, did, to I that? didn't no i, I, didn't I play played it, a no. bit of it uh, and big thanks by the way to splattercat gaming for the footage we just put up there i played a bit of mordheim city of the damned uh, for those who don't know mordheim is one of the more obscure properties from games workshop when they were making a lot of smaller games and then they realized we like money so we should stop making those smaller games uh, Necromunda is maybe one of the most famous, which was a bunch of hive gangers in the 40k universe. Mordheim was like Necromunda for Warhammer Fantasy. It was a bunch of mercenaries in kind of a cursed town that had been pretty much polluted with uh, warpstone, and everyone was there for their own ends. The Skaven were there to get the warpstone, and other people were there to mm. the chaos, you know, wanted to you, use it to summon shit and all that kind of thing. And you had kind of a band of mercenaries that you slowly upgraded. And it was persistent. So if your guy died or had an injury, that was it. Like, it continued through the entire campaign. Mm, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think with the whole injury element, it makes it very difficult. Especially because if you don't meet your quota from your overlord, uh, the next week, he'll, like, raise the quota by 50%. Yeah. And if you don't meet again, he'll kill off a random member of your team. Yeesh. So, like, you, you actually have to pay attention to your quests. You can't just ignore them. Otherwise bad stuff starts happening to your team. And also, if you don't have enough... Uh, say a couple of you guys get injured and they're out for two days and you don't have enough people or money to hire new people to go out on Conquest, you actually have to sit out for three days and let them heal. Yes. And then that affects the amount you can earn. And then, so it's all a snowball effect. So the game's actually very different and challenging. I really enjoyed it. If you're, if you're a fan of tactical games, then I would highly recommend giving it a go. Definitely. 
Yeah, it seems like it's got a a fairly high barrier to entry, but because it's got mm. a lot of kind of weird systems and it's not well, it's not sorry. usual. No, it's not. Yeah, it's but, not a kind of uh, very intuitive design. No, but they have a very good tutorial system. There's literally about fourteen different tutorials that take you through every aspect of the yeah. game. So if there's anything you're not sure of, you can just jump into a tutorial and That's learn good. about that that specific part. But yeah, no, they're definitely a high learning curve. But once you once you're there, it's pretty chill. I mean, I was just watching TV during the enemy <coughs> turns and then taking my turns and all that kind of stuff. It was good. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I want to dive into that when I've got the chance. It definitely mm. looks pretty damn fun. It look, looks like it's up my alley. I love the persistent aspect to it. And it reminds me a little bit of Valkyria Chronicles in the way yes. that it's done its um, uh, sort of third-person turn-based strategy where you've mm. got the kind of uh, radius of where you can move and action points and all that kind of thing. I want you to level up a team and then my Skaven team can fight your team. What's the they... benefit to that? Like, do you, uh, is it like persistence? So if I kill one of your dudes, is he dead? Yep. Oh, wow. So you, wow. Can, you can have an exhibition match where none of it carries over, but you can also just challenge someone to a real match and it'll be exactly the same as a regular quest yeah. where we'll be competing for something. Your guys will get experience. The loser will get dead guys yeah. and, and will get crippled. Yeah, That's so it's pretty, it's cool. pretty fun. To go out with your friends after a couple of hours of playing. Yeah. I would kill for a Necromunda game right now. I really would. Necromunda was <laughs> such a cool property. Apparently they're bringing it back, at least in terms of the tabletop. And apparently Mordheim might be on the list for that as well. So that might be good. I enjoyed that very much. It was great when we were a lot younger because we couldn't afford full 40k army. So we'd just buy a Necromunda gang because it was a lot cheaper. And we'd just play Necromunda instead. Mm. There's also a game that... Um, they were actually developing a video game for it, but I don't think it ever came out, called Gorka Morka, which was a post-apocalyptic orc game where a bunch of orcs had crash-landed on a desert planet and then engaged in a kind of Mad Max-style society where they built fucking trucks and shit and just put weapons on them and murdered each other for the... I remember uh, this. I vaguely remember this <clears throat> now. Was it, what, did they release a ta like a tabletop? Yes. That. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. that. It was the tabletop version first, and they released an expansion which had a bunch of different factions because it it used to be orc versus orc, and it was a uh, weird like they were uh, tribes were uh, supporting the god Gork and tribes were supporting the god Mork, and they're both basically the fucking same anyway. And they were just using it as an excuse to crash into each other and kill each other. And it was mostly a game about like ramming people like in vehicles with spikes and setting shit on fire. But you had a persistent orc gang, and you paid for things in teeth. That was the fucking uh, currency of the game. That was so fucking fun. And they were making a oh, video game amazing. of it, and I don't think it ever came out. But that was a, that was a really cool property. That didn't last very long. They, uh, they didn't support that very much at all. Typical Games I was Workshop. quite big into Games Workshop uh, when I was younger, so but I didn't yeah. have any of the... Like, I was a 40k collector. Really boring. Uh, I collected Ultramarines, and that oh, was Oh, why would... <laughs> Smurfs. God damn. Yeah, it was like the default one that you collected yes. if it really was. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, remember, I, I used to get the magazines and look at all the exotic stuff like Gorka Walker and stuff. I've forgotten all about it until you just mentioned it. Yeah. I'm looking at pictures of it now and having intense nostalgic flashbacks. Yeah, that would make such a such a good game if that was if that was uh, made now. It absolutely would. Yeah. I mean, the closest you can get to that these days is the Mad Max video game. It was kind of like that, but yeah, it was it was great. There was no reason for them to be fighting other than the fact that they liked fighting. And that was the only excuse you needed. That's the best reason to fight. Absolutely. Mm. We, I like uh, when games don't try and like dodge around that or make some elaborate ploy. It's just like, man, they like fighting. They just, just like fighting. 
we I there was a lot of like uh, room for creativity. I created uh, I had one of my b- best war trucks had a flamethrower on the top of it, and I created for it a custom seat for the flamethrower guy because I like modified the models because you had to do a lot of that back then, and it was made out of tires and shit. And it gave him a bit of an edge in terms of his line of sight, but we came up with rules for the chair that the chair could be damaged and you could end up the flame guy falling off the chair and the results that that would have. That was really fucking cool. I love doing stuff like that. But yeah, we didn't get that video game and that's sad, but I need to play Mordheim this week, definitely. Anyone else been mm-hmm. playing anything else this week? Jesse? Uh, me, Jesse, I please tell me you played something. I mean, literally just StarCraft. That's all I played all week long. <coughs> I I was out of town, so I didn't have much time to play stuff. But when I was in town, I was playing a shit ton of StarCraft. Yeah, have I, you beat the campaign I, yet? Yes, I I don't want to spoil things though because it's not up on the channel yet. So yeah, I've been the campaign and I beat the epilogue as well. For me, that was the campaign mechanically was great fun. The mission variety, fantastic. Storytelling in that game, utter tripe. Just here's, nonsense. Here's what I've learned from uh, BlizzCon when I did interviews with the devs on all sorts of stuff. Apparently, and th- I feel like this is a new thing, but apparently gameplay now comes first and story comes second. Is what okay with that. I was told. Uh, for me... <laughs> I'm not necessarily okay with that, but I'd rather have a game that works and is fun than a story that makes a lot of sense. But whatever. I don't, I don't know. Story ah! was just silly. Was... I mean, it's been silly the entire time. StarCraft II's story mm-hmm. has in general been pretty weak. It's changed a lot of the characters from what they were in Brood War. And, I mean, Jim Raynor in particular, his relationship with Kerrigan is just daft. They I mean, ruined that. They ruined that. Really but silly. They ruined that in StarCraft II wings of liberty like yeah, they, they ruined do. the spoiler for those who never played brood war uh, at <laughs> yeah the, at um, the end it's a little old legit, now one of the best characters in the game is killed by kerrigan and rainer's like you you dumb bitch i'm gonna find you and i'm gonna kill you if it's the last thing i do in this universe and that's like how the game ends and it's a super legit moment of these two people who were in love and then she becomes pure evil and murders his best friend he's like I'm going to find you and I'm going to kill you. It's such a good moment. And then they're like, StarCraft 2, now I have to go save her. <laughs> oh, I hated that. <laughs> hated it. Mm, they didn't even justify it well either to me. No I think, justification. No, it's... The story in that game is is just utter total nonsense at this point. If you're playing for the story, you are absolutely going to suffer horribly. Although Alarak, though. Alarak's great. Alarak, though, super entertaining. Oh, man. Every single time they do an expansion for that game, there's always that one standout character. In Heart of the Swamp was Abatha, and then it's definitely Alarak in this one, who was much more interesting than everybody else. But, I mean, I I still love the campaign. The variety of missions, the customization between missions, the sheer number of units that you can use, the overpowered combinations you can come up with, the optional objectives, the master achievements, the amount of replayability there. Those, the, like, the, uh, oh god, the Tauterim Void Rays are a lot of fun. The ones that instead of charging up over time, they just spread Chain to other lining. units. You just destroy everything, it's so good. Yeah, I didn't have a good experience with them, uh, probably because I was, like, playing on a harder difficulty, and the guys had, like, very high armor and things like that, so... Uh, I played, I think the combination I came up with by the end of the game that was just dominant was Carriers and Colossus. Because the, the regular Carriers heal the Colossus, 
and then you get the regular Colossus with, and you add a couple of the guys in there that increase the range, and it's just an unstoppable force. I just void ray everything. Of course you did. <laughs> I'd cheat, Build I'd one cheat unit, cheese it. Yeah. Yup. Sounds yep. about like right. an Age of Empires where you just used to pick a sieve that could just make paladins, and then you just mass produce paladins, and that was yeah. the only thing you did, and you would win the game. Yep. Pretty much. So far, so good. I, I, I don't know. I, it's fun. It's a fun game. But again, as a person who is consistently on Blizzard's case for the fact that their stories perpetually get watered down, it drives mm. me crazy. So whatever. But I'm having fun actually playing it. So I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I, I didn't have any fun with the story for that game. Like, there's, there's never a surprise. There are no twists. Everything plays out exactly as you would expect it to. I don't know. I disagree. Mission, like, three had a pretty giant twist. Well, that, that, yeah, that's a prologue. That's a prologue. You were talking about Whispers of Oblivion, the prologue, right? No, I'm talking about... The, oh, that, that like, bit. Okay, that was maybe that was the one That was a pretty bit. big twist. I actually kind of saw that coming, but... You did? Like, I did. Yeah. I was like, what? I really what? did. Doing yeah, the twist. Was, oh, well. Uh, as I say, story sucks. Campaign's a lot of fun. Multiplayer's a lot of fun, as always. It's... Go watch our sponsored videos where we get paid to play it. We're not biased at all. Go have a look yes. at it. Yes. Yes, you should go watch those. And then you can tell me everything I've done wrong. <laughs> you didn't do much wrong because you just built void rays, but people were really bothered by the fact that you don't use hotkeys. They were oh really pissed about that. Oh, I'm, in one of my videos, I literally am just like, you know, I could look down at my keyboard because I was like, one of them is like a robotics core or something like that was Y. And I was like, how would I ever know that that was all right? Uh, B, Y. Like, I'm pressing all these buttons. Like, you know what? I'd rather just click it and then click it again. <laughs> to me, that's easier. I know that annoys no you, No control groups. No, oh, God. But I'm, I can't... I'm the same. That's just... That's how I operate up here. I'm sorry. Every time you want me to press a hotkey, I have to literally look down at the keyboard and figure out what I'm... And I don't know why. I couldn't explain to you why, but I'm just like, all right, B, Y? <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> You need to drill it into your muscle memory so that you can just you really do, do it spontaneously. But but it's the people who know how to do that, the people who play a like lot. PvP and they play I don't do that. I've never like I perpetually will avoid PvP and online play in StarCraft. The only time I do stuff like that is when it's like the fun maps where it's like you control one cruiser and you go off and fight other cruisers. They're like you're Iron Chef, and you have to make food with the like all the fun games. I love those things, little, and those yeah. do not require you to know Jack. No, they don't. I'm like, no, perfect. Those are the ones for me. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the same with like WoW and Guild Wars, any of those things. Like my fingers will do WSD one to five, and yep. Shift one to five, and then six upwards. I will actually just click move it. over and click. Click it because <laughs> I don't want to move my. I don't want to look down and move my hand. My hand is in a great spot there. I will just click six to, six through zero. And people just lose their shit. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, it's a fucking clicker, man. He's a clicker. Fucking clicker. Fucking keyboard turner. Ugh. Well, I've, I've got is... the macro keys on the side of my mouse, like one to 12, and I still don't know where they are. And like, I, I only use probably one of them. And I only use that when I'm editing music as well. I don't even use it when I'm playing games. Crazy. Well, yeah. and it's a weird thing, because like typing... I could just sit here and do this. I could type out a full like paragraph of whatever, just staring into the camera. Easy. The minute you say you need to build me a cybernetics core, I could not tell you what to look right like, down. Oh, yeah. What? <laughs> I can't do it. I just can't do it. There's a there's a system in the game called grid hotkeys, which is very useful. 
once you learn it basically the hotkeys correspond to the position of the things on the uh on the build bar so the the one that's like the most bottom left will be the most bottom left key and a lot of people learned that way because they just had the keys correspond to where things were i use traditional hotkeys but it still takes i still forget sometimes uh, which is the right one it's like ah, ah shit um ah, okay just fuck it just click it it's it's better i remember what pylons are and that's about it and how to build probes after that, I'm like, well, you know what? I'm just clicking the buildings. Yes, I now I now know that pylons are E. I now know that internet. Yep. I know that, so I can shift E and build them. So you'll stop yelling at me. Yeah, don't like, learn anymore. Doing things we wanted. Good. Don't learn anymore. You want to open some zealots? Hold down Do W and press it. Jesse. Do not compromise. I just want them to stop the yelling. Barbarians. <laughs> yeah. Don't compromise. You need to be the ambassador for clicking. <laughs> don't don't succumb to the to the hot key. Sam and, I, Sam and I will make a, a group, a support group for clickers. Our flag, will be, our flag will be a, a rabbit or a duck, depending on <laughs> depending on what you see. Yep. It'll be, like a, like, it'll be like a hotkey, but it's a mouse. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Yep. Yeah, StarCraft 2 multiplayer is kind of difficult. But if you do want to play all the custom games, you can actually play them for free. You just download the starter edition. has access to all the custom games. You can even play the co-op missions with three commanders. So, nice little freebie. How are the custom maps in Legacy of the Void? Uh, well, I mean, it's... They, they've always had the... Well, they've had a problem since the start of it, where the arcade just hasn't been very well designed. Like, discoverability is a problem, and the only games that really got played were the same games over and over again. Because actually mm -hmm. getting players for everything else was difficult because they don't have custom lobbies. They've improved that a little bit. It's also quite... They have a really powerful but very difficult to use editor. Like, you can make almost any right. game inside StarCraft 2, but it's very hard to do it. So, as a result, a lot of people just didn't bother investing the time to learn how to use mm. the editor. So there are issues with that. That's why they run a, a yearly contest called Rock the Cabinet to try and get more developers in and offer cash prizes. Uh, yeah, because I used to play a lot of TD and, like, Mafia and stuff. With the they've mods. got all those... They were all so fun. Yeah. They've still got all those. The problem is, like, getting yeah. a game for a lot of them. Instead mm. of just going on... Because it used to be with Warcraft 3, you'd load up, and the first thing you'd see is, like, the game list. It's like, oh, I've never heard of this game before, and there's people in it. Let's go play this mod or whatever. Dude, that was, I love yeah. that. that was you amazing. can still kind of do that. You can click on the list of open games, and it will tell you, but the, you can't put a custom title or anything. So you end up in someone's game. It's like, oh, we're only inviting people that are, like, have 200 hours in this mod. Fuck you if you don't know what you're doing. So that can be a bit difficult. There's still some fun stuff face. there, though. <laughs> Do the face well, again. It's... Oh, it's heartbreaking. Okay, <laughs> stop now. <laughs> I, yeah, it's... I, 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 I like StarCraft. I don't know about the future of StarCraft. I like that they have a plan of what they want to do with it. But I feel like the game came out and there was already, like, just minimal hype. And then it sort of quickly was like... <laughs> And now people are like, I want to play that Overwatch business. So, I don't know. I, I, for the longest time, was like, I like how Blizzard has this, like, we have our RTS, we have our MMO, and we have this, this, this. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know where the RTS is going to go right now. Because a lot of the games, not a lot of people make them. And a lot of the ones that do get made aren't good. There's only a few that actually end up really good. And... I wonder what's going to happen in that genre because it's not something people are investing a lot of time and energy into making anymore. Well, they don't sell. You know, it's uh, StarCraft is the only RTS that really sells a reasonable amount. 
And as much as people say we want RTS back, they don't support the RTS that comes out with their money. Grey Goo did Great. okay. Grey Goo. Active Perfect Aggression example. didn't do very well, and that was a pretty good game. It's just like, I don't think a lot of people actually do want to play RTS anymore. They want to play StarCraft, you know. We talk about StarCraft doing well. It sold over a million copies in 48 hours. That was the expansion, you know. An expansion to a game that came out six years ago sold over a million copies in 48 hours. That's pretty fucking good. I think but, they have a very hardcore... Uh, there's a very hardcore StarCraft audience. There, there. is, like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know any people that didn't like StarCraft before Legacy of the Void, and then were like, I'm going to start playing StarCraft. It just didn't... It just doesn't happen. Yeah. MOBAs so, have uh, also taken over completely. Like, when RTSs yeah. were, were one of the big genres, MOBA was not a thing. It, mm. Like... Yeah, and I then it weirdly enough became a thing with Dota coming out of Warcraft 3 and RTS, and then, yeah, now it is about that. Because you get, you get parts of what makes make RTS cool in a MOBA-style game, but you take away a lot of the barrier to entry and initial complexity because you really only have to control one unit. So they effectively removed the, the multitasking. Yeah, they definitely took a lot of that. Which is unfortunate. I, I mean, I love RTS, I really do, but it's it's hard to justify developing one. In this day and age, did Endless Legends do well? Endless Legend is not an RTS. That that was a turn-based. It was like a 4x, wasn't oh. it? Oh, yeah, it was. It? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I a civilization-style game. Ah, oh, I see. Yeah. It was very difficult to to get used to. I played it for like super four difficult hours, to get used to. It's really you weird. You don't know in what ways. the hell anything is because it's like a complete fantasy universe. You don't know what the hell things are doing. It's do. brand new. Yeah, and it's poor. Some of it's poorly explained. Like you just don't know what to do at times. Yeah. Ah, right, right, right. I will, I will give Endless Legend credit. Like, it had a lot of replayability because all the factions play completely differently. They, they made some very radical faction choices in the way that they each played, and that was really cool. But I didn't like the fact that that game had like automated combat. It was really dumbed down in that respect. It's, eh, it wasn't brilliant. I mean, that that studio had the same problem with Endless Space, where it had very dumbed down, very simplistic combat. But if you can get past that as an actual empire building game, Endless Legend's pretty good. But it's not an RTS. Not at all. It's turn-based. Okay. Gotcha. Oh, wow. Apparently. Check this out. I just got sent a link. Speaking of RTS, uh, Ghost Crawler, old school Ghost Crawler, now working at Riot, mm -hmm. 21 hours ago posted, why did the RTS genre die? interesting can you send me the link to that so i can bring I will it up send on the screen it to you right now yeah. yeah it's also worth noting you know we're talking about someone who now works for riot and who and it's in riot's best interest that the rts genre stays dead so uh, yeah his, his thoughts on this were kind of interesting you know let's uh, let's read this so according to greg street ghost crawler i have a lot of thoughts here but i want to caveat by saying it's mostly anecdotal and not backed up by data first and probably most importantly i think warcraft 3 started a trend that continued with mobas that focus on micromanagement of a single hero rather than micromanagement of an entire economy i guess that would actually be yeah. micro macro management not micro he meant there but never mind a lot of players clearly found the single character focus satisfying rts games became mobas the same way the dinosaurs became birds that's a <laughs> terrible analogy but 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 it is kind of what we said i mean without using the dinosaur birds it is what we just said though. yeah yeah i mean it's true you know the moba genre was born from initially starcraft brood war with the aeon of strife and then more popularly that's not a word but more more you know what I mean. Uh, in Warcraft 3, Dota is the one that really kickstarted everything, and there were a couple of other games that did that sort of thing too. Anyway, it goes back to saying second back in the RTS heyday, there were a lot of large games being played on lands in offices and colleges. The focus drifted towards more 1v1 with StarCraft 2. Age of Empires were its best in 3v3 and 4v4. That's a very controversial claim. I have a feeling I that... I agree with that, but... On a casual yeah. basis, I think you're probably right. 
Um, uh, no, I would say at a higher level. When I was younger, it was very, very, very common to um, really? form clans. I was going to say, all, all, all the tournaments now clans. 1v1. Because that game still now, has a tournament. Back, back in the day, they, they weren't like that. It was very okay. much clan, clan versus clan mm -hmm. uh, mentality. Oh, th this is bullshit, incidentally. Third, it used to be more possible to compete in an RTS as a strategic player who made smart decisions and not just a Twitch player with good reflexes. To be a pro, you need to be good at both, but it's hard to even have much fun these days if you're bad at micro. I'm sorry, did you ever play Command & Conquer or, or Brood War or Warcraft 3 or any of the huge big RTSs back in the day? They also required a shitload of micro. And anyone that says otherwise was playing against AI on easy. They weren't playing fucking ladder. You know, if you played online with any of these games, you would have to do exactly those things. There are actually very few RTSs that didn't require good micro. I think that's, uh, that's actually bullshit. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, number four, back in the RTS heyday, he says, you might meet someone, find out they play the same RTS as you, and agree to play together sometime. In later years, you quickly realize you are ra radically different ELOs and just say, oh. To be fair, this happens in MOBAs a lot, but the 5v5 nature helps a bit there. I mean, I'll agree to some, some degree with what he said there, you know. You can definitely carry a, a worse player in a team game. Whereas you play your friend at RTS and you're vastly better than him, like you've got to handicap yourself. But I think that's like every 1v1 game in a nutshell. Doesn't matter what it is. It's the same with fighting games. It's actually huge with fighting games, even fucking Smash Brothers. Mm. Uh, there's still a problem with that. Any 1v1 competitive game is always going to have a skill disparity problem. Yeah. Uh, fifth, he says, I think over time the games just lived out their lifespan. There was such a leaping complexity of everything, strategies, unit design, counter systems. It was difficult for anyone but pretty hardcore players to keep up. I certainly don't agree with that. Yet if they hadn't kept adding those systems, the engaged players might have got bored. I keep hoping that it feels like it's time for RTS as a genre to come back, but not yet. And yeah, that's kind of about it. Mm. I don't know. I think this is a, the, that entire statement is mostly uh, rose-tinted spectacles. Like All this stuff was the case 10 years ago as well. It's just that maybe because we weren't, we weren't as clued in to the competitive nature of those games, because esports was not so much of a thing outside of Korea, that we didn't think that that high level of skill was required or needed. Maybe we didn't, we didn't just play a lot of multiplayer on ladder, but as games started to focus more on actual multiplayer, we, it became abundantly clear that all of these games are really fucking difficult to play at the high level. Mm. I mean, to say that... Um, Brood War didn't require a lot of micro, or that Warcraft 3 didn't require a lot of micro is fucking stupid because it's just not right. It's not true in any way. Even Command & Conquer needed a shitload of micro to play it properly. You, know, you see Command & Conquer played at a high level. I played against a high level Command & Conquer player. I played Generals against uh, Apollo, who is now a cast of a StarCraft 2. That guy won championships with Command & Conquer 3. I couldn't touch him. I couldn't touch him. And it was all out of control. Didn't matter what I built. He just fucking out-microed me and out-controlled me at every turn. That happened back then, too. That happened 10 years ago. That happened 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. It was the case in Warcraft 3. It's still the case of Warcraft 3 competitive play. I mean, Warcraft 3 still has a big scene in China. It had a big competitive scene for a very long time in China and a little bit in Korea as well. And the micro required to play that game well was insanely high. I think it was arguably higher because the AI was just awful. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, could... the further back you go, technically the worst. Yeah, controlling dragoons in Brood War or like proper lurker micro and shit was yeah, really games, hard because it didn't work just properly. help you a lot less. Yeah, they, they help you a ton now. Like it, you can create an infinite sized command group. You couldn't do that in Warcraft <coughs> 3. You couldn't do that in Brood War. 
You couldn't do that in walk. Yeah, you couldn't do the walk thing. No, you couldn't. You know, there's even like queuing up units was a relatively recent innovation. It used to be a case of you build, you click, you build, you click. And yeah. to be honest, like the stuff that StarCraft Two has done has made the game a lot easier than Brood War. It's an easier game than Brood War, there's no doubt. But it's still a very hard game to play at an extremely high level. But then again, I think all of those games were. It's just that we weren't 10, 15 years ago aware of that. Because, like, I was playing Red Alert 2 with my friend down the street, and he's the only guy I'd ever play it with. I didn't know what high-level strategy was. It was the same with Dota. Back when I used to play Dota in a group with uh, people on WoW, uh, WoW Radio, we had no idea how to play Dota, but we played anyway. We played together always. We knew jack shit. For five years, in fact, for longer than that, I thought the best item to build on Axe was a fucking Battle Fury. Because I didn't know any better. Because I wasn't a competitive player. I only played with that group. So I never learned anything. So I was insulated from all this stuff. But that didn't mean that there, that wasn't a high-level game. Of course it was a high-level game. It's just that we're now more aware of that than we were previously, I think. I think, yeah, it's just more min-maxing now, isn't it? Yeah. People are... Maybe it's because of the rise of esports that people see, look, there's money in this. Being good at a video game can actually earn you some money. People take it more seriously. Maybe there's an element of that. Mm. But, you know, if LOL came out 10 years ago and didn't have an esports scene and we just played it with a group, we'd probably be awful at it and think that LOL didn't have a competitive, uh, like, ceiling. It didn't have, like, a high skill ceiling because we all played like shit and the only people we ever played with were bad players. So I think it's the know. introduction of, like, ELO and, like, ranking systems and all that kind of stuff. Is really and tournaments important. and world championship series and, you know, all that kind yeah. of thing. You know, we are now keenly aware of how good you can be at that game. And you didn't used to be, so. I don't think that has anything to do with the decline of RTS. I think it has more to do with uh, focus on consoles. I think it has more to do with the natural evolution of certain genres. RTS was saturated for years. Like, there were way too many games coming out in that genre. People got pissed off with it. The, I think also uh, it was it was the age of LAN as well, and that has very quickly died out. There's a degree of that, definitely. I think that there's also the fact that the biggest series, like the most popular series, Command & Conquer, went off the fucking rails. And there were yeah. a lot of people that said, oh, I like RTS. What RTS do you play? Command & Conquer. What other ones? I don't. I just play Command right. & Conquer. And now, you know, there is no functional Command & Conquer. There a lot of people uh, stopped playing the genre because that uh, series died. So there's an argument to be made there too. But yeah, it's it's a, it's a bit of a shame. But, you know, StarCraft's still a good game. I think you still go back and play Dawn of War. That was fun. <sighs> All right. This is a really depressing show. Goddamn. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> dying. Everything you like sucks. I, I just... <gasps> when Sam was talking about, like, like, LAN events and stuff like that, it hit me. There was a commercial on TV... That it was like some, I think it might have been for like HP or some crap. But in the commercial, there was a bit where like is 2005, and there's a joke about Wi-Fi, and everyone in the room's like, "What's Wi-Fi?" And I just had that like moment when he was, I was like, 2005 was like land festivals and shit. I was like, "Oh yep. my god!" Like, <laughs> holy yeah. shit! I feel real old. Like I remember yeah. when it was like 28k modem. It's like, like, holy crap! Carry your computer around your friend's house. For a sleepover, so you could play LAN. That is ridiculous. I just, it blows my mind. That I that, mean, you say yeah. that, but 
DreamHack is still the big, you know, is, is still huge. And the oh, yeah, iSeries yeah. is the biggest it's ever been. Those lands do happen. Yeah. The Annually, weird thing though. is, a lot of them aren't even playing land games with them anymore. Like, it's oh, like, no. hey, we'll go to a land and play Hearthstone. You know? Yeah, it's an event. It's just to go there and yeah. be around other people and have fun. It's, having having been to one, I can definitely tell you there was very few people actually engaged in like, we're playing games together. It was a lot of people just chilling and drinking and having a good time. That's literally mm. what it was. Just a party. And people who have just like pimped out their PC tower to... To show to it off? Yeah. It's, yeah. Now, it's, it's like the geek version. It's the geek version of people going to car parks with their souped up, yeah. souped up cars. Yep. Instead, you it's go like to Need for Speed, but the nerd version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep, instead of uh, fluorescence on the bottom of your car, it's fluorescence on the bottom of your case. Yeah. And all that kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's still huge land parties. Uh, people keep mentioning the gathering. Uh, that's true. There was, um, damn, what was the one? Insomnia. Yeah, Insomnia is in the UK. There's a big one in Finland that I've been to a couple of times, whose name now escapes me for some stupid reason. Yeah. What the hell was the name of that? Uh, Finland land party. What's the damn name of it? How? Why have I forgotten this? Because it, it, it used to be um, a big demo scene party that they used to come up with. Like, a bunch of hackers would go there and, like, develop little games and hack shit and show off, assembly. like, graphical demos. Assembly. That's it. Yes. Assembly. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I went to that a couple of times. The weird thing is that uh, a lot of those events are becoming very esports focused now because they know they can get a lot of people in one place so they can do a lot of esports stuff. So it's kind of a combo. Combo of LANs and uh, esports tournaments, which I think is pretty cool. Lampard is great, though. If you've never been to one, you should go. Uh, a agree. lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The Gathering was great. Yeah. Dreamhack is crazy. Absolutely insane. Do you know what I also played this week that I actually really enjoyed? What was that? Brawlhalla. Ah, yes. Brawlhalla. I played it for a Polaris thing. Mm -hmm. Don't and spoil then, it. I'm not going to. And then uh, me and Sly Fox, we were like, this... Let's give this game another go. So we did. We did some ranked two v twos. Loved it. It was. It's amazing. It's so good. The community are awesome. I, I think I streamed it once. I had like half the dev team in my chat giving away That's game awesome. codes and and all kinds of stuff. And like the number one player in the world came into my chat and challenged me, and then kicked the shit out, out of me. You, yeah. And then I vowed to one day get revenge. And then in one day I climbed from bronze to gold ELO. And I was like, I'm coming for you. And then I never got past. I never Should've got past typical gold. Try hard. <laughs> I never got past gold, and I just retired. It was no. It's really fun. It's totally free to play. It's on Steam. Like the only thing you want, you can pay for if you want, is skins and cosmetics. It, it's a really, it's a, it's a really good indie indie title, a little beat em up game. What do you? Highly recommend. What do you reckon in comparison to Smash Brothers? Because, of course, everyone's comparing it to Smash Brothers. Needless to say, it's, it's a platform fighter very much like that. Also, a lot of people don't seem to get the point that you can't play Smash Brothers on PC, so maybe we need something like that. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, well, they actually... Uh, you can play Smash Brothers on PC now. They've ported over all the versions. And there's also Project M, which is the yeah, fan M, yeah. Yeah. Smash version. That is on PC too. So... I, I don't think you can compare it to Smash. Like, one is a small indie team, the other is Nintendo. <laughs> but How does it play compared, though? Um, the competitive nature is still there. It's definitely fun, and there's definitely a clear skill element in reading your opponents, and there's combos. So there's everything there needed to be a fighting game that keeps you hooked. Obviously, if you have a Wii U, 
you know, you're probably not going to play it. But if you don't, and you like these kinds of games, then I'd highly recommend it. Especially if you have a friend, because I found the 2v2 rank stuff really fun. And I've played it with multiple people already. Just, do you feel like uh, they have a competitive focus from the get-go with this? They, they do. They have uh, ranked leaderboards for 2v2s, 3v3s. They have, um, obviously, uh, ranks as well from bronze to diamond that you can climb. Um, yeah. It's every, it's very, the game's also very balanced, which is... You can't really say that about Smash Bros. Smash Bros. No. is not balanced. This game, they've done, they've done a very good job in balancing all of the characters to an extent where it's very, very minute. And you can essentially just pick whoever you want and play with them and do well. How does so. this weapon system work? I'm watching the, a little bit of gameplay from Rockley Smile here, and it seems like there's weapon pickups of some so, sort. So, every, get... so you start unarmed, and every character has two weapon types. Okay. And every time you pick up a weapon pickup, you get a randomly one of your two weapons right. that, you can, that you can use. Okay. So... Uh, like some will be so like the lance for example might be good at spacing and then they'll have like a close range weapon maybe some daggers um and so the weapons are good at different things and every character has a different two weapons some characters have bows and daggers and that kind of stuff so you can kind of pick the character you want to play based on the weapons you like right uh, and all that kind of stuff too so it adds like an, another element to the competitive nature where maybe you have a lance and they have a gun and the gun counters your lance so you have to like throw your lance away and find a hammer because yeah. otherwise you're going to lose. So there's that kind of stuff in there too. They've really given it a lot of thought. And uh, yeah, I just had a lot of fun with it. It's completely free. So I'd recommend just giving it a go. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it. It's, it's got controller compatibility, but also keyboard. At the top end of the competitive scene, it's literally 50-50 on keyboard users and controller users too. So there's not like a one is better than the other thing. I think it's good. I think it's really fun. Cool. I put a lot of time into it. I think I dropped like 40 hours on it. And oh, I was wow. Very, I was very satisfied. Yeah, I should give that a try. Shall we do the inevitable Overwatch discussion to piss off that one guy on Reddit? <laughs> I love doing this. Every single gotta week. Piss off Reddit. Every week. There's always, there's always one guy that's like, Oh, I fucking wish they'd stop talking about Overwatch. I don't care about Overwatch. That's the same guy who hates us for talking about Hearthstone or yeah, whatever else. Yeah, yeah, probably. Play. It's like how dare we play talk about the games we've been playing this week. I mean, but we could talk about the the beta weekend for Overwatch, of course, that a lot of people sure. were in. We talk about how fucking angry everybody got. Holy crap! I I missed all of this because I was filming in Texas, so I missed all of the beta weekend craziness. What exactly happened? People got in and were mad about what now? Everything, like just mad about everything in general. I think that they they had this imaginary view of what overwatch was supposed to be based on having not played it at all and just getting too fucking despite, hyped up about it despite watching it consistently yes. for weeks yes every day these people would get in and then play it and somehow it would be different from what they watched yeah different somehow weeks. from what they expected and they got really angry about this fact and the forums and the reddits and everything were full of people just complaining about overwatch uh, you know they these are guys who had played maybe for like half an hour or whatever and was like here's what, everything what i have wrong with this game about? like but what are they complaining generally about? everything they're saying oh this game has no depth this game has no skill uh, this game doesn't have enough maps which is hilarious because the it's not balanced the, the, yeah, the, yeah yeah the balance like complaints it's bullshit uh, 
Bastion's broken. All right, so basically these are the people who have shit. lost and are salty and yes. just complain. All right, gotcha. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Gotcha. A lot of okay. that involved in it. And a lot of people, just they just didn't understand the game. Like, they hadn't played for long enough to understand it. They got killed a couple of times by a character that they felt was unfair, and therefore the game is unbalanced, which of course is bullshit. Because as I said before, the game is not balanced around 1v1. It's balanced around team v team. So, of course, you know, if you run headlong into a bastion, you're going to get fucking killed. That's why you don't run headlong into a bastion. <laughs> And you get a That's character you... that can actually flank him. Yeah, the minute you see... Literally, a Bastion should be like... If Bastion kills you once, you should know now where he is and how to kill him. Yeah. Like, Bastion seems great until you use your brain and you're like, Oh, alright, now I can kill that guy. Like, it's... Every character in that game has a, has a counter. There's no, there's no reason you should be like, that's imp Winston. Oh, that's impossible. Just get, just get a fucking Reaper. Get a Go Reaper the, or Roadhog. Get, you know, get, get one of the other characters. That, I don't know. They, I think it's like a lot of people. They, they picked a character, or maybe they like before they even got into the game, they'd already determined what their favorite character was going to be. And like, I want to play this character no matter what. I was like, great. You're playing a character that is clearly not working against the enemy comp, and you're insisting got, on continuing to play it anyway. Two minutes in, yeah, and then you get shit on for twenty minutes, and you're like, the character I wanted sucks. Yeah, and, yeah. The whole like this character's underpowered, this character's overpowered. It's like you guys have not played the game anywhere near long enough to know that it's it's pretty much nonsense. And the whole idea like there's no skill involved is the dumbest. I mean, really. Are you kidding me? There's some incredible people in that game that are just really good, and not to mention teams that are just awesome. We've gone against competitive sixes, and we have just not even got a look in. Got crushed. Yeah, these guys are just got incredibly crushed. good. There's loads I mean, of skill in that game. There's one thing that happened during all of this that made me really, really happy for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> Last week on the podcast, I was bitching about how I much I hate Genji. I, <laughs> and, like, my... my my phrasing was, he's fucking broken. And he's not broken, I just hate him. And right. that's my go-to. But the fact that so many people had got beaten by Genji, hundreds of people messed me going, you're right, you're absolutely right, Genji's broken. And I was just sitting there, just taking it, like, <laughs> just absorbing it, going, everyone sees it my way now. Well, everyone sees it my way now. It's one of those things that, that because Genji's so new, and comparatively to the other characters, he, he has so many good things going for him that so that, like, people just don't know what his counter is yet. But so far, people are, you just have to test stuff. Like, I feel like uh, Junkrat, if you can get – like, he can't deflect grenades on the ground. Like, there's a lot of things that, that – there are characters that can definitely work against him. People just need to try. And right now, everyone's playing the characters. I feel like Genji is the counter to all the characters people like to play. And so everyone that like all the easy characters like I get a million kills, Genji wrecks those people. <laughs> and so it's like gotta learn someone new now, dummy. And I love that. I love that. I switched from Tracer to Reinhardt, and I've been maining Reinhardt for about a week now, and have not even had a wink out of a Genji since. Like if I see Great. one, he's dead. That's it. And I'm like, I most I mean I mostly play Winston on attack, depending on what the map is, and Genji's a joke to me. Yeah, I, I turn like, pieces. Genji kind of sucks. Yeah, but then again, May tears me to pieces. You know, I've recently discovered that May is a really nasty counter to Winston. I've got to uh, be careful. Tanks in general, I think. Yeah, yeah, she, she's good against that. You know, the, if I'm up against a composition that has a Reaper, a Roadhog, and like a, a May, the chances are I'm probably going to switch out of Winston because they're probably going to murder me. It's as simple as that. And I've just got to accept that and move on. And sticking with the character stubbornly is annoying and not the way to play that game at all. Right. Yeah. And that's... 
and, and to people in chat who were like, well, being a Reaper against the Winston doesn't work if the other team's coordinated. That's every fucking game on the planet. That's the like, whole that's, point. <laughs> like, if your team can't get it together, that's your team's fault, man. Like, I, I it doesn't mean it's the game's fault. Like, it, it's just life. Yeah, that's a team chat as well. By the yeah. way, you could just be like, you guys, voice working. Let's let's grab Swap a bastion. Out. Someone's like, all right, cool. I've done that so many times when the team's not been working, and I'm like, guys, this isn't working. Let's mix it up. And everyone goes, you're right. And then they just mix it up, and then we're fine. Yeah. But, like, people just, they'll sit there just, like, sweating and brooding at their keyboard, refusing to, like, switch off of, you know, Tracer. She's despite my, there being, she's my despite there being four Mays on the other team, they're like, I must be Tracer. And they're, like, bleeding out of their nipples from the chase <laughs> on their T-shirt. And they're still going. And then they're, like, straight up on Reddit. And they're like, this is fucking bullshit. This game oh. sucks. I'm just trying to get footage for my Let's Play video. <laughs> I'm trying to make my Tracer Let's Play my montage is ruined. Like, tough. Deal with it. Oh my this God. is the game where you have to switch between... Unless you're destroying the other team, you will have to switch characters at some point. Mm. Deal with it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Dan, have you had any chance to touch Overwatch as of yet? No, I've been completely silent while you guys were talking and not knowing what the hell you were talking about. The only, like... The only thing I know about Overwatch really is the fact that loads of people have been asking me why I haven't published a video about Overwatch. But I've been I've been totally immersed in a playing Fallout, and when I'm not playing Fallout, I've been just playing <clears throat> make, making uh, tracks about all the other stuff that's been coming out in the pre-Christmas period. So yeah, Overwatch has gone completely over my head, apart from the fact that I know that everyone's talking about it. Dan, I'm I'm telling you right now, you need to make an Overwatch rap, and then somewhere in that rap. You need to, in some way, figure out a rhyme involving uh, Widowmaker's butt and Tracer saying, cheers, love, the cavalry's here. Go nuts. I'm giving you this. I don't know how to do it. Make it happen. I actually want to do that now. I'll go away. You can rhyme the cavalry's here with Widowmaker's rear. Somehow, you can make that work. You You are spitting hot fire at this time. (laughs) This is Damn. how it works, though. I'll be your hype guy <laughs> in the background. Oh! <laughs> we can do this. We can put a super group together. Perfect. Yeah. It's going to work. Super group is just the rest of us in the background just <laughs> bopping, yeah. and then you just doing what you normally do. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. We, yeah. And then as, when the rap's over, you, we just go, oh! Just, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. fliff dollars. And then, yeah. <laughs> Pounds, damn it. Pounds, come on. No, dollars, because I'll get like two dollars to every pound, so I have way more to flip. Uh, five <laughs> yeah. quid notes, you know. Blah, 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 blah. Then we should have like Thai baht or something with a really ridiculous exchange rate. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. I'll so, for, like, for me, that I don't know anything about Overwatch. How would you sell Overwatch to me in one in in the length of a tweet, for example? The length of a tweet, I'd probably say. It's a class-based FPS where there's a class for everybody. Pretty much anything you feel comfortable doing, you're probably going to be useful in some way. And if you want an FPS that's focused on teamwork and not on your individual KD, this is that game. That would be good for me because I'm like I I tend to shy away from multiplayer gaming because I'm just not a very good gamer really, which is why I usually play single player story based games. And yeah. when I do play stuff like MOBAs, I'm I'm usually uh, a healer because that yes. requires less less reflex time. So Maybe well, there's, four, there's four of those. Yeah. Yep. So, and well, I mean, it's technically a guy and a couple of other guys that have some heals. 
It's uh, yeah, and the range of heals is great. There's healers that have to stick with a person. There's healers that can throw an orb on a person. There are there's a healer that's not really even a healer that just places yeah. a bunch of turrets everywhere and is an annoying son of a bitch and, and yet and has down, a like, teleport a and, everything. and just sits in the back. Like there's a million different ways to play these different characters, and I think that's what the game has going for it. Is it fits sort of everyone's mode of play, and you can always find a character that's like right for you. And mm. they keep coming out with new characters that give you like, oh, this is a tweak on what I like before. Or this is something different I want to like, so you can change and and try a new character now. Yeah. I, I like that about it. I think they've got it nailed. Yeah. How how many classes or characters have they got at the moment? Twenty one. Is it something where are they like releasing one 21? every, every two weeks or so? I uh, they're not. They're, the thing is, they're not going to release most likely any more before the game actually comes out next year. And yeah. the, the weird thing about the game is we don't know whether or not they're ever going to release a new one because we don't know what that business model is going to be. So it's a it's a little weird like that. But uh, yeah. there's, it's a good like people's who have played a lot of Overwatch say that the current lineup is, is a, good a, lineup. a well-rounded yeah. lineup with a good balance between, like, that everyone has a counter. So it's like, introducing new people to that means you have to rebalance everything Everything, again. yeah, that's a, so that's a little bit it's, tricky. It's good. I would say the game is a very social game and is completely different. Played with friends versus playing alone. And a lot yeah. of people that have had issue with the game or been upset with it have been nigh exclusively playing alone. And not right, talking a, to anybody. Yeah, it's a completely different experience when you are playing with friends or people on comms. Because that's what the game was designed for. It's designed for ultimately teamwork. Yeah, it is a game yeah. about teamwork. No doubt. And, and, and it's so about teamwork that kills aren't like, I killed you. It's we as a team got this kill. And then later on, it's like, no, but you were the one who, like, you eliminated him, though. But everyone on the team was around who helped. Even the guy who got one shot off. He got 1% of that kill. There you go. Yeah. Like, it, like, I mean, that's yeah. what it's about. You won't say, I killed Widowmaker. Like, you will say, Widowmaker is down. Yeah, and Widowmaker's gone. It doesn't, doesn't matter how Widowmaker went like, down. No one it's... claims anything. Yeah. There's a, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of that. It, I think that them removing KD from being a publicly displayed thing is great. The, the scoreboard doesn't show that. You can see your own individual stats, which is, again, what a lot of people don't seem to understand when they make this argument. It's like, how do I know if I get better? Uh, the stats that you can view all the time. Like, if you're looking to measure your penis against somebody else on your team, then I can understand why you would be upset because you can't do that. But you can yeah. clearly, it, it definitely tells you. I mean, it tracks all the relevant stats and said, hey, this was your career average. You did better than that this time. And here's all these stats that you can look at. There's loads of ways to determine how good you're doing. Uh, I mean, so, it, the, so there's no real incentive to kind of screw over other people on your team. There's so no you're incentive the best at all. They're working together. All of it. Always. Yeah. And at the end, the only things that pop up are like, you're the guy who who, who uh, like took the most damage without dying, and you're the guy who got like the most eliminations total. But it has, but it doesn't show you like in relation to anyone else. It shows yeah. whoever the top person was. Yeah, which yeah. is a good and, way I think to that's do it. Great. Yeah, they can. I mean, they can definitely do something with it. Like I think adding a kill feed back in would be fine. I don't think having KD on the screen on the scoreboard is good, and I hope they never put that there. But a kill feed is useful for a variety of reasons. Like if our guy just ulted and killed four of their team. That's actually useful information for me. I want to know that because we should be pushing like a pregnant woman at that point. Even if they didn't say who killed who, they just said who died. That yeah. would still be and what they died a game too. changer. Yeah. yeah. It's like, okay, four guys just died to Hanzo's ult. All right, that gives me information. That probably means the other two guys are probably dove for cover somewhere. They're nowhere near the cart. Let's go. Let's push right now. You know, it's... But with that said, I, I think like Hanzo, like all, most of the alts, have such like a big on-screen presence that you suddenly see oh yeah no all those guys died <laughs> like like if hanzo's using his alt 
you kind of know, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he just killed everybody. Or yeah, you're like, but the, ah, and you're like, oh shit, hide. Like it's all those high things. Noon. Yeah. There's still a lot. There's still a lot of like uh, visual clutter on the screen though that can prevent you from even knowing that. I mean, fuck. You want to try reloading as Torbjorn? It covers your screen with the reload animation. It's stupid. The guns are way too big in that game. Same thing with uh, Zarya. Yeah, they're way too big. They're, it can be difficult to see exactly what's going on. I think you know the kill feed and all that kind of thing would be useful information. But you know, the reason we've been talking about Overwatch for weeks is because like, I think for a lot of us, it's been one of the most exciting games that's premiered this year. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely I my guess. favorite first-person shooter this year. And this is a year where Dirty Bomb came out, which is a very, very good game that I like a lot. And I still like Overwatch more. So it's it's really exciting to see that game. I'm I'm really happy that it actually turned out really well, and I'm looking forward to it coming out. It's as simple as that. Yeah, and I play it every day, and I don't stop playing it. Like I've never had. I don't get bored with Overwatch for some reason. I just every game is a little bit different. Every game has some amazing moments. You know, we had one earlier where we we won on uh, overtime, and the push was just fucking incredible and i think it ended because we got a perfect zaya ult for those that don't know zaya fires out this kind of black hole thing which sucks everybody together and it got comboed with uh farah's uh kind of rocket barrage and everyone got wiped out and we won from that we were losing up until that point and it was that was a really cool moment so many games games turned on their head from that one one big thing yeah yeah it's really cool and also like you can just change what you're doing to keep it exciting like yeah you get oh i've played winston 20 games and i'm getting my ass kicked and i'm not having fun why don't i heal this game why don't i pick somebody else why don't i do a different role it's like people who didn't do that were the ones who, who came out and saw yeah yeah it's, so it's how also intuitive a game... is it to drop into a new role is it like the israel learning curve for each new role that you depends yeah, on the there class is. there depends is yeah. the every character in the game has uh abilities that you just need to learn how to play them uh but many of them many of the characters are really easy to pick up there are a few that you're like all right how do i do this like how does this character work but a vast majority of them are are fairly easy i mean you could leave be a player like soldier 76 who literally one of his abilities is he's the guy who can run in the game yeah like he can run you hold shift it's intuitive as hell that's it yeah, and then he he shoots guys, and he plays just sort of like an FPS, normal like FPS character yeah. would play. And so that's like really easy to pick up, even if you're the guy who's like, I enjoy playing the, the turret laying character. I enjoy playing the matrix laying character, like, like that kind of stuff. And you just like to hang back, or you're like, I want to be Bastion and just stand still and use a turret and, and hold down the left people. mouse button and murder people. That's mm. it, yeah. They're all, yeah. I think like every character with that has a very low barrier to entry. But mm. there's a lot of intricacies that you can really learn. You know, yeah. Winston initially seems like a very simple character because he has a gun which fires uh, Tesla lightning and it kind of automatically locks onto people nearby and it kind of chains between them. That sounds like a super easy character to play, right? Well, honestly, he really isn't. There's a lot of nuance to him. He has this leap which can be unbelievably useful for disrupting the enemy his ultimate is all about that it's not even about killing people it's about knocking people around and changing their position so they have a strong defense like a turret over here and a guy over here set up you can disrupt that completely like i target the healer knock the healer away from everybody else so that they can't get healed i knock someone out of position so they can't get a good ultimate off or whatever learning where to place your shield and when 
learning how to kite in and out of shields, learning which characters that you can fight straight up and which characters you have to deal with in a different way. There are some characters that absolutely murder you, but with the right shield uh, kiting, kind of kiting in and out of the shield, you can kill them without taking any damage. There's a lot to mm. learn. But Even it, for the, the turret characters, just learning positioning, when, learning to buff your, when to buff your turret, like yeah. where to place it, when to go in, when to not go in. Yep. It's because people adapt. So when you first started playing, at least for me, playing either Bastion or playing Torbjorn or, or uh, uh, my brain just dying, uh, uh, Symmetra, when playing those characters at the beginning, you could place your different turrets or your different weapons in different places. And it was like, all right, cool. And people would fall for it. And then over time, people understood where you would place it. So then you had to change. And then over time, people, so it's constantly changing. And people, the more they know the map, the more clever you have to get with where you place stuff. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of times where it's, it, it, it just, I love how the game slowly adapts as people learn more and more. And you find little things in the characters that you never knew before. You're like, oh, this is what I should be doing now. I wasn't using this a lot before, but now they're attacking me a different way. I'm going to do this. And I, I love that about it. I, I, think, I think it's great. I think it might be one of the best games that doesn't exist yet. In, like, <laughs> yeah. in beta. Like, it's a super beta game that I think is amazing. And the question will be, and I think this is the question everyone's going to have, is when the game finally releases six months from now, or whenever the hell they plan on releasing this thing, Will the hype still be there, considering we don't know if they're going to introduce any more characters? This might be it. 21 might be it. We don't know about maps. We don't know about the future. Will people stay playing? You know, it's not like Titanfall was a bad game, but the, you know, the population for that game died off after about nine months. Right. And so, yet TF2 has been around for like almost 10 years and is still relatively popular. It's the hats, man. Yeah, it's the fucking goddamn hats. It's going to be interesting to see if they can keep people playing it. Yeah. Mm. Do you yeah. think that's anything to do with like the disparity between the amount of hype there is before the game is released and then how good the game is when it's released? Like Team, Team Fortress developed out of a mod, so there obviously wasn't initially hype for it. Whereas Overwatch, I know, has been massively hyped. Huge hype. I think I think it's uh, I think you might be right because a lot of that initial disappointment and backlash on the forums and things with the beta weekend was a lot down to the amount of hype. Like they've been told by people, basically, this is the best fucking game ever. You're going to absolutely love it. They build up unrealistic expectations, and then when they finally get into the game, it's like, oh, was that it? No? And yeah. I think that's got a lot to do with it. Titanfall but... had a huge amount of hype as well. I yeah, remember. massive. Massive. Yeah. And it was, it was fun, too. It was good and like, I, I can't even tell you why I stopped playing that game. I played the game for yeah, two weeks. Yeah, same here. I played like 30 hours and then the... just kind of stopped. Yeah, one day I just put the controller down, and I never switched it on again. And like, I can't tell you why. Just... No. Because I think... And like I... the. The core Everyone of that game is too. solid. Yeah. I think the one thing Overwatch has going for it that Titanfall, for example, didn't have is it has characters that you care about. Like you are like, I like this character. Yes. I want to play more of this character. I mm -hmm. like this world. Like it gives you that yeah. aspect of it. So you care a little bit more and you want to play a little bit longer. They personalities to them. They're doing yeah. the whole animated series to give you mm -hmm. more yeah. personality. With baby Winston. Ah. Baby Winston. Yep. So, yeah, it, they give you a little bit more to it than just Titanfall, which was the, a cool concept, but without, like, a really flushed-out world. And in this, they've sort of spent a lot of time building a backstory to a game that doesn't really present you that backstory, but gives you enough that you're like, I kind of want to know more. And so maybe that will be how they keep it going. But, I, I mean, that's my biggest concern. It may I not work. This game, 
yeah, I'd love for this game to still be something I want to play in, you know, next year when it comes out. Because, you know, if the, everything's in the game now, then what what's going to happen in the future? I don't know. We'll see. Well, there'll be a lot more, you know, more maps. I think more modes. They were t they're talking about adding stopwatch to the game, which I think is yeah. a great mode. I mean, the you've got to have it. ranking system. Yeah, there will there. be a ranking system, definitely. I, what I would like to see in that game, because as I, the game modes are the weakest, I'd like to see both stopwatch, which is a great competitive mode for those that don't know. Basically, it uh, gives you two rounds. You attack once, you defend once, and the attacking team sets the time. And if they don't reach the end, then they set the time at a specific point, and then the other team has to beat that. So either they've got to beat the level faster than the other guys did, or they've got to get further than the other guys did. And that's a, that's a really good mode for any kind of push map. And all the maps for that game are push maps. You have to push across the map. So I think they should also be looking at other games that have done pushing. Like, um, obviously TF2 was one of them, and that's why they nicked Payload. But Dirty Bomb, Wolfenstein, Quake Wars, those were games that did pushing. Uh, Dirty Bomb does a pretty good job of that. They they have objective-based stuff like, oh, you've got to blow up this, and now you've got to move this. And I like it when they when they change things around or when they oh. when mm. they mean that everything that you do throughout the level isn't exactly the same thing. So mm. I'd like to see a Brink. You know, look at how Brink did things with their multiple objectives. I think that that's mm. uh, that's a good thing to look at. That's how you could expand the lineup of modes in that game effectively. I want to see a King of the Hill mode. I'd yep. love that. That'd be good. I wonder if six Winstons oh, wow. would win King of the Hill. It, it, if you think about it, like King of the Hill mode, if the, the objective area was like a small contained area, the amount of just craziness that could happen if like, no, but you got to hold that area though as everyone's just bombarding you. Just ultimate, then ultimate, then ultimate. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hope they hope they do some stuff with that. Anyway, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the news. There's so little. I mean, it's you know we're coming towards the end of the game release season basically, but there's a couple of things we can talk about. So we'll be back after the break with some news releases and then the wrap up of the show. You're watching the Corruptional Podcast. Do not go anywhere. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Co-Optional Podcast. We're going to talk about what limited news there is. There's really not a lot, actually, not much. This be it's that time of year, isn't it? When everything's yeah. already happened. Pretty much all the major games are out. There's a couple more. There's like Rainbow Six Siege, I think, is still to be released this year. And Just Cause 3, which I just got my review code for and I'm very excited to play. But outside of that, that's pretty much it, right? I think so. There's, there's mm. huge international uh, political news happening, but gaming, not so much. True enough. Yeah. Which is maybe... It's maybe okay that crazy things aren't happening. It may be all right. I would be entirely yeah. okay with just having a quiet few weeks. However, there are a couple of things that have uh, made the news. The uh, current controversy with uh, Killing Floor 2. So Killing Floor 2 is, of course, in early access, has been for quite some time, developing relatively slowly from what I hear from the people that are in the beta. I, I played the very early version before the early access version of the game came out and it seemed pretty good but obviously it was very much lacking in a lot of areas because it wasn't anywhere near done now the game has been in development for months since then and today they announced what they're calling the z economy which is a cosmetic sort of crate system very very similar to the way that counter-strike does things weapon skins costumes and cosmetics all entirely cosmetic and it's a bunch of microtransactions, essentially, in the game. And some people right. are not very happy with that. 
Okay. Just reading, okay. Just reading through it. But all right. So why are they not happy? I mean, is it does it go against like a company policy that said we'd never do microtransactions? No, they never said that. Does it affect the game in any way? Nope. Besides making things look different, like nope. So it's a it's a game that the developers are like, hey, we would sure love to make some extra money. Uh, <laughs> do you want to buy a new skinned gun from us? Like CS:GO, H1Z1, shitloads of other games <laughs> that like, everyone is understand. fine with. Wait, like what's the what, like what are people mad about here? I don't. So you know, from, I've I've read a few things and I'm gonna uh, hit chat right on the head with their own silliness because like, but the game's not finished. Okay, I mean we knew that. I mean it's an early access game and they charged for it. So what's the problem? Like it wasn't a free game until now. Like it's not like there wasn't any financial aspect to Killing Floor Two until this point. It's been sold as an early access product for the last five or six months. Is it free? No, not at all. No. It's never been free. Neither, neither CSGO? No, it's uh, not. Neither's H1Z1? No, it's not. None, none and of H1Z1 ain't there finished. is a point here, though, that like perhaps people are annoyed that it's slow in early access development and they feel like that the developers are you know, skinning stuff and and they haven't actually finished the game yet. And, maybe yeah, I, and I think that's and I think that's a fallacy. Like I really do. I, because I'm sorry, artists aren't the one fixing bugs. They're not the ones say that. creating yeah. a lot of this new content. Also the counter argument is that it's generating revenue that would actually speed up the development of the yeah, game. Exactly. Because they might need the money. To... A lot of those artists a lot of the people who are developing the skins and things literally have like once a game gets this point, it's like, all right, what do we do? Why are like a lot of the times spoiler a lot of times those guys get laid off. Yeah, that's true. A lot of times when they're when their job's done, it's like, all right, thanks. Go find someone else to work. Like, so, you know, I don't see anything bad with it. I mean, honestly, if I had the game and I had an issue with like, ooh, I don't like these things, uh, then I wouldn't buy them. But at the same time, I imagine the people do like them and they just want them for light. Like, I want it for free. Why do I have to buy it? It's also <laughs> worth noting that I believe the vast majority of these items right now are actually developed by community artists and not by the actual company themselves. So, oh, really? Yeah, they're doing the same thing that Dota does, which is having a lot of those items be created by the community and then giving them the percentage to sell via Steam. So one has to wonder exactly, why are people upset? I mean, this if you to me, if you buy into an early access game you're already kind of a sucker to begin with. Like, you've bought into something that is mm -hmm. not finished, you have mm -hmm. no guarantee it will ever be finished, and yeah. you also have no guarantee about what the business model will be going forward. The game is at a constant state of development change and flux. There are no guarantees with early access, which is why buying into mm -hmm. it as a consumer, unless you have disposable income and you literally are willing to accept that that money just disappeared into the void, never to come back again, is dumb. It's I mean, the horror story that do. is Daisy should have been a warning to everyone that's been yeah. going on for five years so you there's plenty of information out there about the horrors of early access and what you're getting yourself into yeah i mean it's a bunch of optional cosmetics <clears throat> it's not like i guess people are comparing it to the payday 2 debacle and it's not even the same uh, the problem with the payday 2 well, there's two problems with the payday 2 debacle firstly that company promised they would never add microtransactions to the game and then did secondly the items themselves actually gave you an advantage in game. 
These do not. These are purely cosmetic. There's nothing which at all gives you an advantage. Not to mention the fact that this is a PvE game anyway, so having an advantage makes no fucking sense to begin with. I, I see absolutely no issue with it. No, I really, really don't. Actually. Like, even, even Halo 5 are doing it. Ah, uh, I don't know. Halo 5. There's been quite a few people complaining about Halo 5 because can't you buy... You can buy things which actually do make a difference in the Warzone mode, right? You can buy power uh, in that mode. I'm not sure. I, all I know is you buy cosmetic armors and helmets and stuff with real money. You can buy packs. And, the, and they're actually taking a percentage of that money and they're putting it into the prize pool for the Halo Championships. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like, even then, like, the, they still recycling the money back into the community so it's, it's i don't yes. know i don't see a problem with any of these forms of microtransaction i i think this one in particular is about the most innocent of microtransaction yeah. systems you could possibly come up with yeah just looking at the page i'm yeah. I, like seeing it i was like i don't get what people are freaking out over uh, I don't there's, only two main, there's only two main th things about my microtransactions i think that that are a problem the first one is that if it's if it's withholding something that gamers have already paid for and they're expecting, and then they find out, oh, I have to actually pay for this again, or whether, or the other is whether it gives someone a competitive advantage because they've paid money. This doesn't seem to do either of those things. No, no, it doesn't. But I guess I guess like people associate those negative connotations with microtransactions to the point now where they just can't differentiate. Well, like it has been abused. Is... It has been abused a lot. So of course, yeah, you can yeah. see why people but are are. Can't blame people for that. But at the same time, it is literally the future. Like, if you look at the evolution of games, you 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 will be hard pressed to find a game without microtransactions in it nowadays. Very and like, if you do, it's going to be like Fallout. <laughs> yeah. Like even Tomb Raider has microtransactions in it. It's yeah, just, it does. <laughs> it's literally like developers have seen that this is the way they they can make money now. There's so many people that are buying microtransactions and not complaining about it. And it's the vocal minority that are like kicking off about microtransactions when like the amount of money that developers are earning speaks for itself that 90% of the population don't care and buy it because they want to. Well, I remember I mean, back in about 2010 or 11, was it? I think I made a song called uh, DLC TLC where it was, I was basically just ranting against microtransactions, and I said that I'd never spend money on microtransactions. I think the, the climate and the, the industry's changed so much even since I made that, that it's almost impossible to be a gamer now and not buy into this business model somehow. I, I think mean, there, are, there are great games where you just pay up front and have access to everything, but that's becoming mm. more and more of a, a limited or a limiting uh, thing that if, if you're just going to do that, then you're going to miss out on a lot of content. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think in this case, though, you don't miss out on any content. It's ultimately cosmetic, and people can argue as much as they want that, oh, you know, I want to look as cool as that guy. Great, but they've got to make money somehow. Like, I think the cosmetic microtransactions, raging against that is unreasonable. Like, it, there are plenty of microtransactions that are awful. You know, microtransactions in single-player games... There's a great, strong argument to be made against that because that could potentially affect the pacing of the game. You know, mm. there are, it's too tempting to create a game in which it's more annoying to collect items and collect resources and make the system grindier than it needs to be because you've put an option in for people to just skip things 
with mm. with real money. It's too tempting. That's why they should not be in single player games like that. You know, cosmetic content is still content. I get that. Why why does everybody expect all content to be free? I don't get that. I don't. It's, it's this is definitely the most entitled generation of gamers ever. I mean, it, it was the it's the same thing with uh, I mean, Overwatch. Keep, people keep making the comment like, and I agree with them fully. They shouldn't be charging for maps. They shouldn't be charging for heroes. But people are like, no, you shouldn't charge for cosmetics either. Like, okay, so where are they going to get the money to keep developing this game then? Like, if they don't sell millions and millions of copies, how are they going to support this game three years down the line? If we're upset about companies abandoning games and not supporting them, people have a, a really high expectation of how long a game should last now. Like, they should be able to play this game five years down the road, and it should still be supported. And it... I mean, don't get me wrong, I, would, I want all my games to still be working five years down the line, absolutely. But if I still want them to be updated, if I still want them to support it, then I'm going to have to accept that content developed after launch is not necessarily going to be free. This is, the weird thing is, like, I think that anything that's developed prior to release should be in the box. I really do. Like, unless it's just in concept phase and not even finished, I don't think it should be spending time developing shit prior to the game's release that isn't in the box. But in this case, we're talking about an early access game that is not full price anyway, and we're also talking about cosmetic items. They're not locking any meaningful content behind any kind of paywall. And I also don't understand why people are not okay with microtransactions coming in later down the line, or, or DLC. I mean, it's the same argument people use against DLC. It's like, all the future content should be free. Okay, great, who's going to pay for that? Like, unless this game sold 12 bazillion fucking copies, who's going to fund that content exactly? Right. Like, there are very few companies that can. I feel like it's it's a weird world we live in where this is an issue, yet on the other side of that coin, Amiibos fucking sell out instantly. They'll buy the shit out of Amiibos, which Everyone are the biggest buy the rip-off shit in history. Out of Amiibos, which is basically the exact same damn thing. Well, it's plastic DLC. It is. That's and all Amiibos it is. It, they literally lock selling. disc kids content. punching their grandma to get an Amiibo. Nintendo locks disc-based content behind a plastic, like, t 10 or $20 paywall, and people eat that shit up. And yet, if you ask whether or not people are okay with having cosmetic crates in an early-access PvE shooter, apparently, that's upsetting to people. And well, it's like, oh, Boost Amiibo is physical. Yeah, it's 20 cents worth of plastic. You pay 10 to 15 bucks for it. it, it yeah, it's, it's a weird thing. Like, yeah, but they're, like, figures, and I can, I can display them. That's, Great. Uh, that's literally awesome. what the stuff in the game is, and trust me, in just about as long as it takes you to get over the stuff you just bought, you'll eventually get over those amiibos. <laughs> like, you don't want to spoil it, but eventually you'll Shitty mass-produced cheap plastic tat is what you're collecting here. You know, you, it's not like you're collecting rare art. This is mass-produced bullshit. That I you're... started collecting amiibos. I got, uh, like, seven of the Smash ones, and then I realized they look fucking dumb, and I gave them to my three-year-old nephew, and he has destroyed them all. <laughs> Good. I, Good. And I sleep. I sleep soundly at night. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just saying. I mean, yeah. you could argue that there's a resale value with it if there's you bought something physically. Definitely. On, but I don't know. Is the the content the digital content that's attached to the amiibo that's not resellable? Is it? No, it's not really. I mean, no. it, 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 yeah. I mean, I could sell my amiibos five years down the line, but if the Wii U has, you know, gone out of which it will have, you know, it won't even be relevant anymore. What the, the digital content would be for a game that people don't even play. 
You know, it's, it's kind of pointless. We don't even know if the servers will still be up. We don't even know if you can unlock that kind of thing later down the line. The only value that that thing has as a physical item is the value of the plastic. But going, you know, going back to this, it's just I people seem to have a really weird idea of how game development actually works. And the idea that game development post-launch is somehow free and that everything you get should be free. You know, I, I do not believe I'm entitled to anything other than a working game. So if you need to patch the game to fix it, you better fucking do that and better not charge me for it. But outside of that, anything past day one that you want to develop post-launch, that's, I'm, I'm not entitled to that for free. That costs money, you know? That's post-launch content. Of course I've got to pay for it. The main problem is a lot of that DLC isn't worth the money they're charging for it. Most of it's shit. That's the problem. DLC mm. is not a problem. The problem is bad DLC. It's yeah. value. I'm going to be starting on the people like, oh, well, you know, back in the day we used to buy expansion packs. Yeah, I know. Every two years. You know, now you get that expansion content split up over the course of a, a number of months. And in theory, if the DLC is good, then you should be paying about the same. The problem is most of the time it isn't. Therein lies the problem. Um, the thing about the early access thing is obviously that like, they're like, well, you know, it's not post-launch, game's not done yet. Yeah, but simultaneously, once you start charging for a game, it's pretty much launched. It's... I don't care if it's not done yet. You charge for it. So yep. you're gonna, you buy it in whatever state that it's in. And anything that's added after that, whether it be microtransactions or not, I don't think you're necessarily... I don't think it's reasonable to expect none of that content, you know, every bit, piece of that content to come out for free. The, I don't know. It's The early access model is just so weird. Like, it's such a bad model. It's such an awful model that the usual arguments that I could apply to a regular game don't fucking apply now. Because I avoid it entirely. Where, yeah, once you go early, like, once you've paid for early access, your ability to bitch and moan should be nulled. Like, I mean, you, I mean, you have point, kind of done a very stupid thing when you buy an yes. early access game. You've bought into the it, It's like a worse version of pre-ordering. You've bought into an idea that at least with pre-ordering and like, I don't know. I don't know. It's at just least with pre-ordering, the game's probably coming out and the chances are that you can get a refund before it comes out. The problem with yes. early access is you can't get a refund and you have no idea if the game will finish. And there's plenty of early access games that have never, they've never finished. They're not done. They're never going to be done. Many of them, yeah. Yeah. To me, it feels like like going into a restaurant and then like eating the ingredients before they're cooked. <laughs> I'd rather just wait and have the finished product, make sure that someone has taken it to completion and then given it to me, rather than me just wanting to get my hands on something. Oh my god, it's a pizza possible. analogy. It's a pizza <laughs> analogy. When you order pizza, you're pre-ordering the pizza. But and you don't know how good it's gonna be. But <laughs> if you if you if you go early access, you are just buying like cheese and, and cheese. dough. Holy and shit! Sauce. <laughs> this could become a pizza, or it may never be yeah. made into one, yeah, or it may turn out burned. We just don't know. Yeah, there's a difference. And when you buy a pizza as well, if it comes ruined, you can usually get your money back or get another pizza. Yes. Right. With early access, like, well, fuck you. You bought early access. You knew what you were getting into. Yeah. There's a, you know, someone in chat makes the point, well, the problem is that you can invest a bunch of money into microtransactions in an early access and the developer just abandons the game and you lost all the things you bought. You mean like real games? Like, that happens with regular release games all the time, you know? I fucking yeah. pity anyone that bought um, characters and shit in Infinite Crisis or fucking any of these free-to-play games that just vanish and disappear overnight. 
I think it's just early access is so inherently risky. I don't know if there's I don't know what the rules are for early access. You know, can there be microtransactions in an early access game? Sure, I think. But it's a fairly new model. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's acceptable and what isn't. I think honestly it's so popular though that it doesn't need to establish any rules at the moment because people because a developer can release something in early access and people will pay for it so they don't need to particularly be held to rigorous uh rules as such do they I, I, yeah i mean a lot of, if yeah. people keep buying these early access survival games then that people are going to keep making them and keep releasing this model when it comes to uh it you know when it comes to killing floor you know, you've got to look at this pragmatically, in my opinion. The adding of the microtransaction system, one, is not hurting your gameplay experience. That's a fact. It's not affecting anything you do. Two, it is generating revenue for the game, which means it's more likely that game's going to get fucking finished. And that's a real risk in early access. I don't know how much money Killing Floor has cost to make yet, uh, you know, up to this point. I don't know how much money they make. How many copies are they selling on a monthly basis to support the development of this game? I have no idea. No. There are plenty of games, even fucking Double Fine, who is a big established studio, abandoned space-based DF9 because they're like, look, we're not making enough revenue to finish the game. To me, it seems like if you put a microtransaction system into the game that's purely cosmetic, then you are, you're building a revenue stream. Oh the whole chat is crucifying me because I am pretty much known for buying and trying every You do it all the time, man. You buy all but those early access in games. in my defense... I do it so that other people don't. Yeah, I do it you take so the that bullet people for people. Can watch me, and if they go, it's all right. They get it, and if they go, wow, this is fucking garbage. They don't get it. Mm-hmm. So, you're like the guy. You're like the guy in the battlefield who goes out testing for landmines. Yeah, you're the guy <laughs> yeah. Who, who goes into the holes to find like dudes. You're like, get in there, private gump, and you're just digging through holes. That's you. Yeah. But how, I hold my hands up that like obviously that has become a thing with my content. And I, I will buy an early access game. But it's something people. It. But the difference is, it's something people enjoy watching you do. They enjoy watching you do those things. That's different than, than what they're saying. Like, oh well, because Sam did it for his YouTube channel in order to earn a living, or his Twitch, right? It, it, it's totally different than like, and now I shall buy it as well. Like, it's a different, it's a different experience. If they see me having fun, I am an early access enabler. So technically, indeed, I you are an enabler. For some of these tragedies. How dare you do these things? Although, both- infection survivor stories, I never fucking touched that shit. Oh, Let's God, that's so bad. I didn't go, I didn't go near the that shit. Oh. Alright? I didn't go near that shit. Oh, man. Is that still even, like, can you buy that and play it? Yeah, yep. you, mm-hmm. yeah. And yeah. people do? Yeah, yep. unfortunately, yeah. And if you got an extra ten, 10 pounds, you can buy a rocket launcher and shoot everyone. Oh, God. That's a literal pay to win in that game. Oh, got it. Is, is it still... How many people own this game? God damn it. According to Steam Spy, almost a million people own Infestation Survivor Stories. And <laughs> you're getting onto the killing floor, guys, for fucking cosmetic microtransactions, and yet Infestation Survivor Stories is still allowed to exist? Like, mm-hmm. let's prioritize, you know? This is really important. We need to purge I can't believe it exists. this game. I cannot believe it exists. I've just noticed it's in my Steam library, and I'm not sure why. How did that <laughs> happen? Uh, I don't know. Snuck you in there. You saw Sam playing it, and you were like, I have to buy (laughs) the thing. It's probably bundled at some point. Game purchase, 2013. Hours played, zero. So, yeah. Wait, wait. I'm going to have to check. 
Oh god, don't be like hours played. 532. Mm. Yeah, you can't unown it, unfortunately. You know, God, for some reason my uh, monitor's fucking... Another argument being made in the chat, it's like, I don't like early access microtransactions because I, I can't trust it. the developer oh, to pull resources away from making a full game just to make microtransactions. Not to mention, in every early access game, there will be bugs, but the microtransaction store will work flawlessly. Of course it works flawlessly, because they use the Steam backend for it. Of course it works yeah. flawlessly. Steam it's works. Good. They're not connected. Yeah, they're, they're those not. things have nothing to do with each other. Plus, again, it's the fallacy of saying, look, it's a, not a zero-sum game. Like, it's the zero-sum fallacy of, oh, a developer is working on microtransactions, so he's not working on something else. This is art stuff. Like, these are not the same people who are coding the game and developing new maps and developing new content and developing new classes. These are not the same guys. That's, it's, a, it's a fallacy that everyone just runs around doing everything in the same development house. That's, that's nonsense. Absolute nonsense. It also reinforces a positive influence of um, this game is constantly being updated and they, you know, are they, are a, yeah. they are a presence within their community, yeah, and they're yeah. adding new things to this game and it is making progress, even if it's not like coding or gameplay changes there's still yeah, if, if anything that should be a good things. sign it should be a good yeah. sign that other things are being created for this game that you love so even if you don't buy them and even if you're not gonna buy them the fact that time and energy is going into making it look different and more like adding new things to it that you should love that idea especially if you love the game because they're giving you a, a way to support that mm -hmm. developer and a lot of people actually just do enjoy supporting a developer they love it's a very common thing so i yeah, yeah, I don't see. I, I don't see where the beef is here. It's I don't know. I think it's there's a lot of nonsense. I think it's mostly down to just people getting burned over the past year on various different things, and as a result, just turning around and saying, you know, everything like this is bad now. It's like no, it's not. You know, not every microtransaction is bad. There are plenty of microtransactions done right. There are plenty done horribly wrong. In this case, I think that it's unreasonable to suggest that a game should not have additional sources of revenue beyond merely releasing. But the weird thing mm. is that as an early access game, it's very hard to apply the same logic that you would to a released title. I don't know. It's, it's, very, it's very strange. It, it, again, it could be because the game has been developed slowly, which is true. The development of uh, Killing Floor 2 is really slow. This troubling is so. A, isn't it quite a small team, though? Um, it's not that small. I mean, Tripwire ain't, ain't that? that small. They... Uh, okay. Uh, so the, the, there is a there's a bit of a problem with that, but I, I think simultaneously, again, it's a fallacy to suggest that developing these microtransactions somehow took away from actual content development time because it probably didn't. And in reality, a lot of the uh, the ways that modern games work is that artists can kind of plug assets into the game without really having to worry too much about other guys on the team helping them. Mm. That's why, you know, they build these systems up so that they can do that, so that they, the, the big coders aren't actually having to spend all their time on microtransactions. Yeah. A couple of people in chat mentioned this, but we did say this earlier too, that this could well feasibly be uh, necessary to fund the game. It like, could. They, they may very well be running out of money. Not, they might not want to go to a corporation and ask for money because then their agenda is not their own. They might want to just develop a means to earn more money to fund the game through their community. That's like, usually why early access exists to begin with, guys. Spoiler. They yeah. release it early because they don't have the money to keep funding what's going on. It. Yeah. But then again, then you have the problem of feature creep. You have the problem of it being a very kind of community-driven development process where people that buy into early access suddenly say, well, okay, well, I bought an early access, so I should influence 
what is going on with the development, which to some degree is helpful. You get some great feedback, and to some other degrees, you've got to ignore these people because they're not game developers. There's, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Just early access is a shitty business model, man. It, it's a, it's it is. A, it's a double-edged sword, I think. Yeah, I mean, sometimes early access can enable some games to come out that wouldn't be released otherwise. It's kind of same like Kickstarter. But most of the time, both Kickstarter and early access are bad bets for consumers. It's that simple. You're taking a risk. Whereas you could just buy a known quantity and not take a risk. I mean, just do that. Buy a finished game. Buy a game that you know is good. I mean, at least with Kickstarter, there's usually incentives to pledging as well. And there's yeah, also true. tiered pledging. So you you potentially will get reward. With early access, you pretty much you're paying for early access and that's it. And it's not necessarily early access if the game doesn't come out. It's just access to yeah. the code that's there. Yeah, you're literally paying for an inferior product than the guy that buys it on release. And there's usually no benefit to doing that unless it's a much cheaper early access version, which sometimes happens. I feel like they should put a rule in to say if a game doesn't get finished within a certain time frame, it is no longer early access. Because <laughs> yeah, the word there's, early... There's no reason to ever leave early Daisy access half the time. ...does not apply anymore. You are, you know... You're at that point, you're released, and you're a shit game. Like, that's what they should just say. Like, after a certain time, you're automatically labeled released, and if you're a bad game, you're just a bad just, game. Just mm. DNF. Did not finish. DNF. Yeah. yeah. Five years Smart used to be, time. like, a console a generation. Bit. Yeah, it did. It's a, it's a long amount of time for a game to be in early access. Fashionably late access. Yep. Yes. It's enough time for a child to be conceived, born, and start school. <laughs> that's true, yeah. It's <laughs> a fair point. Yeah. Oh I, I named him Daisy. He's <laughs> uh, now, now stronger than you. I hate you. There's a, there's a child in school whose name is Daisy and she is, is younger than the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> She's more developed than the game too. Yeah. <laughs> Could do a lot more. Oh my god. Oh god, it's... Yeah. Early access is bad. Stop buying early access. You know, we wouldn't even have these issues if people didn't buy into early access. You know, even though I like Killing Floor 2, I still I'm wouldn't... I'm sorry! Stop it, Strip! You're an enabler. You're a bloody enabler. You're an oh, yeah, enabler. Really, yeah, yeah I mean, I hope Killing Floor 2 comes out, but, like, I didn't play it. I didn't play the early access version. Why would I? I want to wait for the fucking thing to come out. Only reason I did a video on it is because it's my job to cover video games. It's not your job, my job to take those access. risks. Guys, I've just changed my job title to early access. Uh, yeah. Early <laughs> access overlord. Uh, oh, dear. <laughs> Okay, uh, oh, this is not much news, really. Yes, there's a little bit of drama in regards to Dead or Alive Extreme 3. Yeah. Oh. No. Uh. <laughs> this, uh. Is, this is my... I love that the devs just flat out, like, here's the... Or I guess whoever the Facebook... It's a community manager. Uh, well, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the information on this is a bit lackluster right now, simply because it was a community manager that made a statement. Right. Which is never good because community managers are glorified paid moderators and are generally not actually qualified to do that. But mm. they basically the Facebook page for the game, the guy who runs it, who is part of the company, said we do not plan on bringing Dead or Alive Extreme 3 to the West and we won't have any plan change in future. Thank you for asking. They then went on so after, after being asked why. Because people were like, why? You said if people wanted it, you would make it. Like, we would love to have 
you know, dead or alive, like, what's going on? And then they responded to that. Yeah, well, and then they said, do you know how many issue happening in video game industry, bear in mind, of course, this is badly translated, with regard to how to treat female in video game industry? We do not want to talk about those things here, but certainly we have gone through in the last year or two to come to our decision. Thank you. But yeah, so I don't know if they're going to make an official statement on this, but there's essentially... If that's anything to go by, they're saying they're not going to release it because they're afraid of a backlash. No, they're afraid of... They, they just... It sounds like they're not afraid of a backlash because they've released so many titles to the West before and just ignored it. Like, there's been backlash with, like, every Dead or Alive game and they've just been, yeah, like, whatever. I think it's, they've reached the point where they're just tired of they're the sick harassment. Of they're just yeah. sick of it. Well, they don't need it. They sell more copies over there. They, can, they don't have to localize it. They, they're just like, it's not worth the hassle. Well, Some... I have to wonder, you know, if it even isn't anything to do with this. Maybe they just don't think it's going to sell very well, which is entirely possible. It's I possible. mean, you know, Dead or Alive Extreme, the fucking volleyball slash dating sim games, they're awful. I mean, they're really bad games. Mm. And I don't know how well they sell. You know, there's no, no real one information on that. for the gameplay. Like, I... Well, no, because just... there's no gameplay to play. It's yeah. Bunch of stupid mini games. But it's one of those things that, that, I guess, depending on how you look at this, either... VG one... Charts is not reliable, by the way. People linking VG Charts, that's not at all reliable. Please don't do that. No, like... Useless. It's, it's, it's one of those things that's like, all right, well, it's either, you know, half the people are going to see this and be like, great, that's a, that's a major victory because that game is garbage, and it really did. It was like, let's make crazy boob physics and, like, just stare at women's asses. And the other half is going to be pissed off because a game was essentially, like in order to prevent drama censored by the devs, or at least, in this case, the community manager. They, they shot out a big portion of their community. Cause they didn't yeah, want and so... We, it's... We, just, we just don't know, though. We don't know why. I mean, you know, the, these are very cryptic messages. Yeah, it could be down to the fact that they think that people are going to get angry at the video game or whatever, but I just, I, I just don't know exactly why it is. I think this is becoming a, you know, it's a political hockey puck, again, for people to just say... Those damn SJWs, they're ruining our video games again. And then the other side is like, those toxic masculine gamer creepy fucks, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then it's like, somehow we blame Anita Sarkeesian for this. I'm like, do we? Do you really think the people in Japan even know who Anita Sarkeesian is? They don't it, give shit. They don't give a fuck. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. I will say, though, that they're, like, the level of tolerance they have for like more mature content in their games is... They, it's a lot more frequent in all their games. They're all okay with it over there. It's yeah. just, they just don't have an issue with it. They don't different make a cultural big deal standards. about it. Just a different it's weird standards. that Dead or Alive is being described as mature content because it's... Very immature it's, yeah. content, immature actually. Content. Horribly yeah. immature, yeah. I mean, it's not like this is Dead or Alive 6 that's being cancelled for the West. This is the spin-off DOA Extreme 3, which is the beach volleyball game. Mm. Now, we don't know how well that sold in the first place. We don't really know if anyone actually was really pursuing this game and really wanted the next copy of course there's going to be a little hardcore fan base but it may be a case that they just don't think it's going to sell well enough to localize it the problem is this statement is so fucking vague that people have to fill in the blanks and of course they're going to fill in the blanks in a way that fits whatever their political ideology might be some people are going to say this is evidence that video games are being censored and then the other people on the other side are going to be saying this is evidence that our progressive campaigning is working and you're probably both wrong you know, you're probably both wrong. Yeah. And, and again, it's not even a very good game to begin with. Let's just be clear. Like, if... Uh, guys, guys, this is the reason why Playboy is not is doing articles now. and getting <laughs> Because if you're going to this game to jerk it, 
There's real. There's a lot. Like guys, guys, the internet. You don't even have to pay for this game. This is yeah. not like this is. Yeah. You don't have to use Playboy and jerk it together. Yeah, like, like this is. It is. It's not even. It's not even a good game. Like it's so. I don't know. I don't. I, I don't, feel like this don't is jerk one of those it things to I'll kill yeah, no one you. does that. Nobody does that. Your grandfather, maybe, but nobody does that. Yeah. But it's, it's one of the... We need a proper action. You know, until I hear from the actual developers or from uh, Tetmakoi's PR that clearly states the reason why it's not coming over, and it actually turns around and said, yes, we're actually legitimately afraid of the backlash, at that point, you can then start talking about, you know, have we got to a point where gaming culture has become you know, too prudish? to puritan you know are we demonizing what's basically just harmless fun well people seem to forget that the west has had like like japan has been making uh i'll say adult things for a long time and some of my favorite games for example way back when 1995 final fantasy 6 a lot of the sprites were edited a lot of the because it was like oh this is a naked woman so we're gonna put clothes on her like, it's just that games when they reported to the West way back then were still edited. And that just, it, it's happened so long that people sometimes forget the Japanese gaming culture is very different than what we have. So, I mean, deal with it. Just I want to live getting, over there, man. There's just you're no not going to influence they make them. Shit they make cool. Change. Well, I mean, if you're a male, make. you'll probably have a great time over there. But if you're that's female, maybe not true. so much. I mean, that. You know, people talk about the patriarchy. That's actually a patriarchal society in many ways, you know? Very much. And But the thing is, it, 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 you can disagree with it as much as you like, but they don't give a fuck what you think. Like, that's that's a society no, they, that they actually don't. has never cared what you thought. Never. And so we can sit here and demonize them and be like, oh, they're making this Dead Alive game and all this is just girls' asses and weird jiggle boob effects. Spoiler, they don't give a shit what you think. They just don't care. As far as we know. You know it, the thing is, if this statement is anything to go by, they obviously do give a shit what people think, but... Oh, they I just, just don't want to deal with it. I, mean, I just like, don't yeah. think right now it's a... It's not a reliable story, because, you know, it's a, a broken English community manager on a Facebook page. And I, went, I want to hear what Koei Tecmo's PR has to say about this. You know, is there a legitimate reason? They're probably just going to turn around and say, you know what, it didn't sell well in the West last time, we're not going to sell it here. You know? And then, and then we're like, okay... But people will obviously turn around and they'll believe that there was something else to it. Is there something else to it? We don't fucking know. It's all speculation at this point. We don't have a clue. Oh, do we? It was the same thing as that um, uh, Armika thing that happened a couple of weeks back, where people were like censorship because they they turned the camera around so you didn't see the butt slap when she did her uh, ultimate attack in Street Fighter Five's beta. And of course, everyone came up with all sorts of reasons as to why that is. Like, it's the evil social justice warriors or whatever. Is it though? I mean, it's a beta. Didn't maybe they just changed it because they thought it didn't look very good? I mean, we don't know why they changed it. We don't have a clue. Mm. It's just speculation. People just like to apply a meaning and an agenda to things that they don't really fully understand. It's their own personal interpretation. Yeah. This, so this means no DRA Evo? No, this isn't This isn't a Dead or Alive. This is just a volleyball game. Yeah, it's just game. a volleyball game. This is not the fighting yeah, game. It's not the fighting game. It's absolutely That's not a, the fighting game. Of course, game they would release the fighting game over here. There's a huge market for it. Well, it yeah, it's, it well. sells pretty well. No, it's, it's too. Everybody. Uh, not everybody, but a lot of people online just like. They blame whatever the latest Boogeyman is. 
you know, it's Gamergate's fault. It's social justice fault. It's blah, blah, blah's fault. I'm like, it's just tiresome. It's, it's easy. It's easy to do that. That's yeah. that's the reason why it happens. It's easier to say like this: Boogeyman A is the reason why, yes. and Boogeyman B is the like. All right, sure. <laughs> it's and, also and that, more, like more of a thing that people can get behind rather than just the fact that the game might not sell well. That's not as fun as to think that there's an enemy out there that's prevented yes. it from. Yeah, it bores them. It pulls them to come to that conclusion. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if people say sen- see censorship, they're like, oh, God, right, we're going to fight the censorship. And I'm like, okay, I get that. You know, that's that's cool. I understand. But I think there's a there's definitely a difference between censorship and self-censorship, and we self-censor ourselves all the time. In real life, on every walk of life, we are consistently self-censoring. We are not saying some things because we don't think it's a very good idea. And you're, you're allowed to change your mind, I think, you know, especially with the Armika thing. It's like, maybe they just turned around and thought, you know what, actually, maybe this wasn't a good idea. Maybe the whole slapping the ass before we do a special move thing, maybe that doesn't actually add to the game. Maybe that's not really part of Armika's character. Maybe, you know, it was a beta. What's the point of doing a beta if you're not going to take feedback and change things? Hmm. You know, they decided it wasn't a good idea and changed it. That doesn't mean it's, well, I guess, you know, it, 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 changing anything apparently is censorship. I mean, yeah, of course it is, because you changed your mind, you censored your previous idea. You changed something, that is censorship, because you censored the previous version of that. Yes, but that implies that all censorship is equally bad in all ways, which is not in any way true. I think if it's been done against the will of the person with creative control, then that's probably exactly. censorship. But yeah, that if is they've decided, yeah. if they've gone back and thought, right, we're not going to do that, then that's just a, a creative decision, yeah. or, or a business decision, yeah. rather than it being imposed upon them. We don't know. I mean, you know, a couple of days ago, I put out a tweet which uh, wished that the person in the next room would drown her children because they were very loud and noisy. You know, after that, I said, you know what? I want to delete that because that maybe wasn't a good idea and we'll say something else. I like, I like, I saw that go down. I saw that go down and it was amazing because the minute you tweeted that, I didn't think like, oh, what a snarky TV comment. I was like, Oh my god! I want to see the replies. So I immediately <laughs> clicked on it, and then later, like the immediate next just, tweet was like, I thought better "Of course of it. I'm not. Of course I'm not saying I want them to drown." Like it was an amazing moment because I was like, "That is literally the life of every like internet celebrity person. on yeah. YouTube. You can't just joke or just mess around because somewhere someone's gonna be like, to me that is an offensive statement." And my, no, I mean, my I could see why some people would find that offensive because I, I literally just said so much to drown the children. But it's the, maybe people don't like my documentary. But you know, thinking better of it and changing your mind later is not censorship; it's common sense. Oh, mm-hmm. like literally, uh, whatever. It's one of those things where it's like you're not suggesting the children drown. It was a moment of frustration and anger, and if they want to take it out of context, like it, I hate, I hate the internet. God damn it. Internet, <laughs> you are the cause of and solution to all my problems. Uh, I hate yeah. you so much. Oh my god, just yeah. relax. I don't want relax, to drown. Baby. I just want relax, to fall into baby. a spiked pit. You know. Relax, just, baby. All I'm Best saying is that underwater they'd make less noise. I mean, that's reasonable, right? <laughs> that has a basis in science. Sure. I don't know. the The noise will travel further though. Underwater, I know how whales work. It'll travel further. <laughs> they communicate further. <laughs> changing your mind or refining an idea is not necessarily censorship it's it's down to why you did it and if it was down as dan said to outside influence against the will of the creator sure that's censorship at that point 
if you just decide to change things because maybe you thought another idea was better that isn't censorship and if a game doesn't come out over here i mean this game hasn't been censored like you know if this game was censored it would come out with actual censorship on it the game is not coming out at all you could count that that censorship but nobody actually censored it it wasn't banned you know the clockwork orange was censored because it was fucking banned you know cannibal holocaust was censored because it was banned if a company decides not to release something in a certain country I mean, you have to ask why, if they thought that it was because of, you know, <coughs> or of backlash or whatever, then I can understand that why you would be pissed off about that, because I get it too. It's like, oh, if you don't like it, don't buy it. Absolutely. But if they decided because it just wouldn't sell very well, then that's not censorship. That's just business. Mm. I watched Clockwork Orange, and I didn't really understand why it was banned. I was banned well, like I don't 70s, think it was that you know? bad. Funnily enough, Clockwork Orange wasn't banned. The people think it was, but it was actually the uh, director... Stanley Kubrick decided that he didn't want it to be published. Really? So was, was I completely published. wrong on that? that and really? Kubrick is a, a nutball. Was a nutball. Yeah, you're right. Actually, it's... Stanley Kubrick is actually the one that did ban it. You're completely correct. Yeah. Well, yeah. It was never think, actually banned. I think he did it after there was some kind of copycat uh, killings that happened, and he decided he didn't want any more copycat killing. Killings. Yeah, it was it was actually withdrawn by Stanley Kubrick and Warner Brothers. They they chose to withdraw it themselves. It was not like banned by the uh, the BBFC or anything like that. I mean, obviously, there's plenty of movies that have been banned or censored, but that actually was not one of them. You're completely I, right. I, my whole life, I was told the film was banned too. I think it's a very common yeah, I was told that statement to make is yeah, the, this was this film was banned. Well, it was banned. I mean, technically, it was, it was banned, banned by just, Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, yeah, by the person by... that made it. The but as soon, as soon as he died, they just went against what he wanted yeah. and it came out again. I've banned my videos before by deleting them. Because <laughs> I didn't want them... They, I thought they were bad. I didn't want people viewing them anymore. I censored myself, whatever that is. I liked Clockwork Orange. I think it was a good film. Mm. Yeah, it's so, a difficult to get through, but it, it's a good yeah, film. It yeah. warned, me, it warned me of British gangs, which I look out for now all and the cor- time. And corrupt, corrupt police. Yeah, yeah you guys are the, the worst. The old bobbies. The worst. Yep. I. So, again, we have absolutely no idea why Dead or Alive 3, uh, Dead or Alive Extreme 3 is not coming out yet. Maybe when we know, then we can actually have these arguments. But yep. we don't, and people are just making shit up. And therein lies the problem. Because, you know, as much as people are like, oh, you know, the media's pushing their agenda. Yes, yeah, so are you. Like, you immediately made the assumption that some, you know, the, uh, the reason why something was banned or censored or not coming out, and then you pushed your agenda from there, and everyone's pushing their agenda regarding this. Everybody. It's not just the fucking media. It's the people who are arguing with the media. They have an agenda just like the fucking media do. And right now, we don't even know why it's not being released. We just have a poorly translated Facebook post, for God's sake. All right, let's uh, wrap it up, shall we? Let's look through the very few releases that are coming out this week. Chat says oh you have a God. horrible movie sense, TV. Oh, true? I absolutely do. I just enjoyed Terminator Genesis. I am fucking awful. I am oh terrible. Amazing. I was all right. I was an okay well, movie. I mean, but like, what the fuck the are you is, doing? Everyone can't be good at identifying good films. No. It's just, it's, it's, not, it's just <laughs> not, it's not a skill. You just aren't skilled enough. You, there has yeah, to be skill. people that lack that skill. Yeah, because otherwise those area. movies would never do well. Yeah. So, really, know, thank, thank you for being on the bottom of the pile. Yeah, really, yeah, like, really. I am doing you guys a service. Really. Yeah. It's the way you should view it. Yeah. Transformers was shit. Okay, November the 24th, Five Guardians of David, which is an action RPG, apparently. 
It looks uh, set in the lands of Canaan, so I'm guessing biblical of some sort? I mean, with the invention of David, I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I think I heard of this, yeah. It's it's like a it's like a Diablo sort of game, isn't it? But based in the biblical yeah. realm. That's what I, I I'm guessing when they use one of the greatest stories ever told, it's, yeah, we're definitely going biblical here. Hmm, mm. Interesting. Don't know how good at all, if any, that is. So have a look at I that. mean, it, it looks pretty decent, so mm. we'll see. Dynasty Warriors 8 Empires coming out for PlayStation Network Vita. Yay, and such. Goblin Defenders Steel and Wood. Oh my. Steel and Wood for all of $2. Looks like a... Yep, that is a tower defense game that's obviously being ported from mobile. Yeah, Google Play, all that stuff, yeah. Woo. Space Food Truck is coming out today, though. I actually have code for that. I should play it. It's a Space Food Truck deck builder. You have to kind of build the deck of cards to properly sell food across space and time. It's amazing. I, yeah, that of sounds course. great. Uh, it was one of the guys that made Outwitters, which is actually one of the best games on iOS. So really, really cool strategy game. So might be good. Super Snow Fight. Uh, we really Multiplayer are... action brawler game with yep. snow. With snow. We really are scraping the bottom of the barrel here, aren't we? <laughs> Heroes Never Lose. It is Untrue. a puzzle game. Yeah, so, no, so, so, hero-themed so action puzzler. Oh, it looks like Super Puzzle Fighter. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, it actually looks very similar to Super Puzzle Fighter. Uh, Mass Vector, also coming out today. It is a physics-based game with 100 levels of challenging fun, apparently. Looks like it was made in 1997. <laughs> yep. Uh... Apparently, Super Snow Fight is so good it's listed twice. 25th, Strania the Stella Machina, which is a Japanese. It's a Japanese shooter, platformer, shmup thingy. Yeah, it looks like Japanese shmup. Ikaruga esque, apparently. Uh, Bad End is something. That's a sure. That's the thing. Uh, it's a choose your own adventure, visual novel, anime thingy. Uh, what now? A dodger game. Yeah, it's a dodger uh, game. Now? Yeah, don't. I, I, it's not got the boobs you're looking for, so don't even bother. It Bombshell have the assets you're looking for, Jesse. No, indeed, it's not. Developed by Interceptor. This is a action role-playing game that was is actually being published by 3D Realms. Very uh, it seems like kind of Duke Nukem-esque. I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this, but I'm actually I have a voice role in that game. Oh so. really? Do you? What? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Well, it oh, looks wow. like shit. Have you played it? Is it any good? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't. I haven't played it yet, but I actually. That, Jesse. I'm just giving him crap. Well, but the, also, this this release is also wrong. The release list is incorrect. Apparently, that's actually out in two months, not in two days. So I don't oh, know. I probably definitely shouldn't have said that then. Ignore yeah. what I said. Never mind. Anymore. Never mind. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know actually why they're saying that it's coming out on the 26th, because it's not, according to uh, update four days ago on the Steam page. It's actually coming out on January the 29th next year, so never mind. What? Oh, well, so much for that release list. You can blame Giant Bomb for getting that one wrong. Saint Seiya Soldier's Souls. Which is, uh, looks like, yeah, it's an anime fighting game, by the looks of it, mm -hmm. based on Saint Seiya, that series that has been around forever. Uh, Aquatica, I think we... We we took a look at that. Yeah, why is that why is that coming out now? I thought that was out last week. Apparently not. Action adventure game with puzzle elements and fish, basically. You you are a fish. It's like you a are a fish. Yes, and you are a fish. Yeah, indeed. And uh, uh, Omahari Shun Steam 
edition, Omahari Kawasi's theme edition. Of course. It is a backpacking Japanese sushi chef game. What the God fuck? Damn it. Oh, Armed with a fishing rod. <laughs> it is a it's a sushi based platformer. I just want to point this out. We have discovered it a sushi based platformer. We looks, need more of those. We actually need looks kind more of fun. Sushi based platformer. It looks insanely ridiculous and kind yeah. of fun. Actually like, the grappling hook is elastic, so you have to, like, bounce and throw yourselves in different directions. That actually kind of looks good. <laughs> actually kind of looks fun. Oh, my God. And that's it. Yep, that's it. Until next week when Just Cause 3 comes out and we all rejoice, hopefully. But there we go. That is the Corruptional Podcast for you, ladies and gentlemen. So let's tell you about what we're going to be doing this week. Dan, what's coming up on your channel over the next couple of weeks? What's going on? At the moment, I'm desperately trying to, like, call back my backlog of work, so I don't know what I'm going to publish this week. But, interestingly, yesterday I had a crazy encounter... Uh, it was a wild fox that came into my garden. It fell asleep okay. next to my back door. Uh, and I got my camera out, and then I filmed, like, I've got two of my cats were on the other side of the glass on the door, just looking into the eyes of this fox. They weren't aggressive to each other or anything whatsoever. It was like a proper Disney moment. So that may be my video this week. Nothing to do with games. You have filmed music. a fox and cats. Fantastic. Yeah. You're there like we go. Snow, it's, you're, it's like you're like the, the male rapper version of Snow White. <laughs> there we go. That's my USP. <laughs> Oh my god. That course, should have been your original name, Snow White. Oh dear. <laughs> and if you want to check out his channel, of course, the name has been under his face for the last three hours, Dougalby. Uh, if you just search for Dan Bull, you will find him. Oh, there check him out. YouTube. He's amazing. Go check him out. He's Jesse, what's going on your channel this week? What's going on? Oh my god. Uh, finishing up StarCraft 2, and yep. then uh, we're back on the normal goodness. All the things cool. I put on hold for StarCraft 2 are coming back. So Great. That's that. Strim, what are you up to? I'm going to be doing Bloodborne for the rest of the week. All right. And when I finish the go. game, I'm going to just fight other people until awesome. I'm sick of it. And it's going to be amazing. Nice. Uh, I've got a couple of things coming out this week. I'll be doing some Hearthstone. I'll be doing my video on Battlefront. It will not be positive. I did just record a video on the Kotaku Blacklist thing. It may or may not be out tomorrow. I've got to listen back to it and see if I actually made any sense. I will also be working on Just Cause 3 because my review code just arrived and I can get a video out before release. So that would be nice considering I have failed to do that for the last like three fucking months. So I'll be looking forward to playing that one. Hopefully it does not suck. That will be great. And I, I do still have to play my Blood Bowl match as well. Got to get around. Oh, I'm so proud of us for not talking about Kotaku. No publicity play Dodger. We did that last week. Dwarves. Oh. oh god. You're going to get mashed, man. I know. All right, we're pretty much done, folks. Thank you very much for watching the Co-optional Podcast, and we will see you next time. Good night. Bye, everybody! Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>